Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is a perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life, there's no surrender. And there's nothing left for us to do. Find the strength to see this through. Logic, political talk, part of the growing conservative conversation, and also part of the Patriot Journalist Network. And you can find the Patriot Journalist Network by going to www.patriotjournalist.com. And tonight we're going to have our commentary and analysis of the well-spoken of or much-spoken-of CNBC GOP presidential uh, debate. We will have some audios on the candidates and what they've had to say with uh, some of the questions there. And uh, we'll give our analysis and commentary for it here on Bard's Logic Political Talk. And so if you'd like to join in with us, give us a call at 347-945-7428. And let us know who you thought won the debate, as well as your thoughts on how they answered uh, the different questions that were asked to them. If you'd like to chime in, just push the one on your number dial, 
uh, for those who are in. And so what we'll do here is uh, I will go ahead and uh, do see some folks in the call. Is I'm going to play what the first question was uh, that the moderators gave the candidates. And the greatest uh, – and the question was for them is what they thought were their greatest weaknesses. And so uh, some answered a little bit, some did not. And so let's listen to those. Then we'll be getting uh, my commentary as well as others. Uh, and so these are all about 30-second clips. So let's start on what they uh, got here first, Bush. You know, I am uh, by my nature impatient, and this is not a uh, uh, endeavor that, uh, that rewards that. You've got to be patient. You've got to stick with it and all that. But also, I can't fake anger. I believe this is still the most extraordinary country on the face of the earth. And it troubles me that people are rewarded for tearing down our country. It's never been that way in American politics before. I can't do it. I just don't believe that this country's days are going to be deeply you know, going down. I think we're on the verge of the greatest time. And I want to fix the things to let people rise up. Senator Rubio. I would begin by saying that um, I'm not sure it's a weakness, but I do believe that I share a sense of optimism for America's future that today is eroding from too many of our people. I think there's a sense in this country today that somehow our best days are behind us, and that doesn't have to be true. Our greatest days lies, lie ahead if we are willing to do what it takes now. If we are willing to do what it takes now, the 21st century is going to be the new American century, greater than any other era we've had in the history of this great nation. Governor Christie, yeah. I don't see a lot of weakness on the stage, quite frankly, where <laughs> I see the weakness in those three people that are left on the Democratic stage. You know, I see a socialist, an isolationist, and a pessimist, and for the, for the sake of me, I can't figure out which one is which. Uh, <laughs> but, but, I will, but I will tell you this, the socialist says they're going to pay for everything and give you everything for free, except they don't tell you they're going to raise their taxes to 90% to do it. The isolationist is the one who wants to continue to follow a foreign policy that has fewer democracies today than when Barack Obama came into office around the world. But I know who the pessimist is. It's Hillary Clinton. And you put me on that stage against her next September, she won't get within 10 miles of the White House. Take it to the bank. Cruz. I'm too agreeable. Easy going. <laughs> you know, I think my biggest weakness is exactly the opposite. I'm a fighter. I am passionate about what I believe. I've been passionate my whole life about the Constitution. And, you know, for six and a half years, we've had a gigantic party. If you want someone to grab a beer with, I may not be that guy. But if you want someone to drive you home, <clears throat> I will get the job done, and I will get you home. Governor Christie. Okay, we already heard from Christie, so let's move over to uh, Fiorina. Well, gee, after the last debate, I was told that I didn't smile enough. <laughs> Fixed it. But I also think that these are very serious times. Seventy-five percent of the American people think the federal government is corrupt. I agree with them. And this big, powerful, corrupt bureaucracy works now only for the big, the powerful, the wealthy, and the well-connected. Meantime. 
Wages have stagnated for 40 years. We have more Americans out of work or just Americans who've quit looking for work for 40 years. Ours was intended to be a citizen government. This is about more than replacing a D with an R. We need a leader who will help us take our government back. Senator. Governor Huckabee. Well, John, I don't really have any weaknesses that I can think of. Um, but my wife is down here in the front, and I'm sure if you'd like to talk to her later, she can give you more than you'll ever be able to take care of. If I have a weakness is that I try to live by the rules. I try to live by the rules, no matter what they are, and I was brought up that way as a kid. Play by the rules. And I'll tell you what a weakness is of this country. There are a lot of people who are sick and tired because Washington does not play by the same rules that the American people have to play by. Thank you, Governor. Good question, but I want to tell you, my great concern is that we are on the verge, perhaps, of picking someone who cannot do this job. I've watched to see people say that we should dismantle Medicare and Medicaid and leave our senior citizens out, out in, the, in the cold. I've heard them talk about deporting 10 or 11 um, people here from this country, out of this country, splitting families. I've heard about tax schemes that don't add up that put our kids in, in a deeper hole than they are today. We need somebody who can lead. We need somebody who can balance budgets, cut taxes. And, Governor? you know, frankly, I did it in Washington and Ohio, and I will do it again in Washington if I'm president to get this country moving again. Governor Huckabee. Yeah, we heard from Huckabee, so let's hear from Paul. You know, I left my medical practice and ran for office because I was concerned about an $18 trillion debt. We borrow a million dollars a minute. Now on the floor of the Congress, the Washington establishment from both parties puts forward a bill that will explode the deficit. It allows President Obama to borrow unlimited amounts of money. I will stand firm. I will spend every ounce of energy to stop it. I will begin tomorrow to filibuster it, and I ask everyone in America to call Congress tomorrow and say, enough's enough, no more debt. And lastly, Carson. <laughs> Dr. Carson. Uh, probably in terms of applying for a job of president, the weakness would be not really seeing myself in that position until hundreds of thousands of people begin to tell me that I needed to do it. I do, however, believe in uh, Reagan's 11th commandment and will not be engaging in uh, awful things about my compatriots here. And uh, recognizing that it's so important this election because we're talking about America for the people versus America for the government. Mrs. Fear. Excuse me. I still got this uh, nagging cough I have been trouble getting rid of uh, for the past couple of weeks. But anyway, uh, as you see, not everyone answered him. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I was really disappointed with Kasich's answer. He really didn't uh, answer that. Neither did uh, Paul, for that matter. Uh, I really liked uh, Carson's and. Also, Huckabee, and not Huckabee because of his humor, but what he said at the end, uh, which is so true about the government not living, having to live by the same rules that we have to. And I think uh, Carson uh, talked about that some as well. Uh, Christie's was interesting. Uh, Jeb, I just think, was kind of weak. And we'll, um, you know, so on those, you know, greatest weaknesses, uh, that's, you know, my take on that. So let's go ahead and hear from yours. And so if you'd like to chime in, just push the one on the number dial. But first, uh, I believe we have Christine on the line. 
And then we have Susan. And for the others who'd like to chime in, uh, just press the one. I'll get you in. Uh, thank you very much uh, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? I'm doing great, and I can answer that all quickly. None of them. Not one of those persons said even one thing about the Constitution. There's no sense in naming each one, but especially Huckabee, because he did make statements uh, in that order talking about they don't follow the rules. Well, why don't you tell them how to follow the rules? First rule is uh, you need to let the people know that Article 1, Section 6, then you don't have to listen to them make the rules. If they do it wrong, that law lets you arrest them right then and there when he comes back to your area. If he's passed that law, it negatively affects you. And, of course, uh, Ted Cruz, he can't run for the office anyway because he wasn't naturally born. Rubio, he just is not a citizen. You've got to understand, anybody who was naturalized after 1965 is no good. That's right there on your Homeland Security website. How these people were naturalized was done by the Immigration Act of 65. But when you read the uh, uh, Homeland, you just, no, just Google reason for revocation of naturalized, they'll tell you clearly after they did that, that even though we may have had to naturalize you, if it wasn't attached to the Constitution, it can be revoked. That's everybody in this country since 1965. And Bush, well, you know, he thinks immigration is about love. Excuse me, immigration is about Article 1, Section 9, the states bring the people. In a way, he's correct because the way it's supposed to happen, each individual citizen bring you first. You can bring as many thousands as you want as long as you take care of them until they all become registered by the state. Then they can go out and seek their own work. So, and Christy, you know, uh, his weakness is he just shouldn't be running anyway because he's making all these statements and has not a word to back him up. I didn't really hear what Rand Paul say, but whatever he said, says I sat here and sat through that and heard all that dribble which I think that question is not to be asked as a presidential candidate uh, uh, question because no one is going to tell the truth that, look, everything I do is weak. Every one of them does not supposed to be on that stage. Governor uh, uh, Bush, his wife is not, she's not a citizen. No, she was here after 65. He can marry her all he wants to. None of those people up there, Rubio, Christie, Bush is his wife. Uh, they can't constitutionally run. And Fiorona, I think she was the worst one because she's trying to be different. But she's saying the same thing they're saying. No one said about the national debt. Like, uh, what's his name? Christie was trying to say. He's talking about the $18 trillion debt. But he and Fiorona, even though they went to that, they didn't tell you why. They mentioned the billions. They didn't tell you the worst thing about the national debt is the sick of multi-billions of dollars spent a week on multi-millions of non-eligible persons that if you just stop that, we'll be super rich. And so uh, none of them are ready. Now, I didn't hear Donald Trump, but I heard he was not going to attend. I don't know whether he did or not. But if he, he did, did. Um, oh, he didn't show yeah, I, I guess I didn't. Let me see if I still well. Let me see if I still have that clip. I might have accidentally neglected to put that one in here. Um, Don't bother. Don't me... bother. Because <laughs> Donald Trump is the only one that I want to hear about anyway. Whatever he says, 
you know, he usually gets it from the people on the street. And I'm sure his was a little bit different from theirs. But, like, I told him what he should do is tell the casters and all of his colleagues when they ask him a question, what clause of the Constitution is. If you don't have a clause, then I refuse to answer that question because I don't want to put any more unconstitutional edicts in our country because that's what's pulling it down. Not one of those people came anywhere near that. In his position, by him not being elected, if he gets too far away from what they say, then press the press is, is going to get on him because of that. So I was hoping he didn't show it all. So you don't need to play what he said for me, not on this one, because that's kind of <clears> stupid. You're asking them about a darn stupid weakness, and ain't, I bet you I'm not going to hear not one night word tonight from the press about the Constitution. And that's all this election is supposed to be about. If you're not going to do it about this, it doesn't matter who's elected. Not one of them even know that the next president is supposed to pass an executive order to nullify everything in this country that's not in the Constitution. All these lies whoever said about, they're talking about uh, deporting 11 million people. I done told y'all already, they already deported. They're not a part of the United States government. Idiot, in, uh, in Amendment 14, it tells you clearly, when you come to America, you are not in America. You are in the state only. And insofar as deporting, no one said that the United States is not allowed to deport people. The United States, under Article 1, Section 9, is supposed to let everyone have the opportunity to register with their state. Nobody mentioned that the Democrats shut down that after they passed the Immigration Act of 65, they shut down all immigration officers so anybody can come here on their own volition, either through a person or you can get your state sponsorship and come here without all this crap that they're doing. And that's what this, this is the whole, this, this entire destruction of America rests just on that. That's all it is, and I didn't hear a word about it, and I bet you I can lay here all night long, and probably Donald Trump is not going to say too much either, not this early in the game. He better be trying to hold his cards close to the vest because that's the entire key to, to our survival in this country. These people must learn that those 11 to 50 million people are not really in America, even if they have naturalizing. If you think I'm lying, Everybody write this down. Reason for revocation of naturalizing. And then pull it up on your computer and read it. And see, does it say, even if you prove residence and all the stuff that this new stuff does, it says all you got to do now is just come to America and you just go and apply for naturalizing. That ain't the way you're supposed to do it. It's supposed to be a U.S. naturalized committee run by the House and Senate, and there are real, real rules. You have to be in that state, the, that one state that you come in under Amendment 14. You've got to be there almost 10 years, and that state has to register you, swear you in as a legal resident. Then that state sends that swearing-in process to the naturalized department and make sure that it's legal what you're getting they're getting and it's valid. It's not something that you made up. And then once they get that from the state, then that's when you get your real papers. If you didn't do it like that, it's no good. And it's right there on Homeland Security website. So you ain't gotta take my word for it. 
So that's what that's my analysis. This whole thing it was a big waste, a, a constitutional waste. The whole thing. Okay, let's and let's go ahead and bring. Uh, I believe we have Susan on the line, and let's get her take. Uh, Susan, thank you very much for coming to the show. How are you tonight? <laughs> well, I hear some of those guys. I'm just like gagging now. <laughs> um, I think it's cases. Governor uh, John, how do you yeah. pronounce his name? Jesus. Um, he said something about he was bigger than Jesus or better or something. Uh, anyway, um, I, I he said what he was bigger or better than Jesus. Is that what he said? Yeah, I got it in Facebook. Well, somebody posted it in the group, and I was no, just like, I have to, I have to look that up. I don't know that. Go ahead. Um, yeah. Um, uh, as for Christie, I, I can't even believe he's getting higher in the polls. I mean, it just amazes me that once again people are getting fooled and being stupid. Rubio is just another jab light. I don't care if they're jabbing at each other. They're just, it's just a game. I mean, they're exactly the same. And he has a bad voting record because he doesn't show up or anything. So, I mean, I just like, I'm sorry that uh, Bobby Jindo isn't up higher. He'd make it more interesting and at least be a little more truthful. Uh, I'm sure Sam Sherwood has something to say about all of him. <laughs> yeah, here it is. John Casey's, um I'm kind of like Jesus. I, I'm trying to get it to load here. I'm kind of like Jesus. Only yeah, I'm better. trying. To, I'm trying to Google that, but I'm not. I'm not seeing anything. Okay. Well, it was from Red State. www.redstate.com. John Kasich was in Iowa. Iowa they're doing his best impersonation of Homer Simpson, whatever. Anyway, um, he made the comparison. I told people if we raise taxes, we don't address the fundamental issues. The state is going to die, and. If you have a flock with no shepherd or a bad shepherd, say the shepherd's like drinking during the day, what happens to the flock? <laughs> when the shepherd is strong, the shepherd can guide the flock to get out some. And uh, I don't know. <laughs> I hear a guy laughing. I can't believe. He just clearly claimed that Jesus demanded he expand Medicaid under Obamacare in Ohio. Oh, that yeah, that's one thing about Kasich I didn't like is an expansion of Medicaid. Yeah, that's what that's one of the things I didn't like here, um, you know, about Kasich. Yeah. I don't care for him at all. Eliminate him and a couple others right off the bat, I would. Well, we may see, you know, depending on the polls, I've been saying this to some people uh, today. Now, of course, we see uh, Ben Carter, you know, it's starting to look a little bit like 2012, and this is what I mean, is that, of course, we've seen, you know, the rise of uh, Donald Trump, in which nationally his, his polls have gone down some, uh, whereas you know we start we're seeing the you know, Ben Carson's numbers going up. Now, of course, throughout some states, uh, Trump is still you know is still up over others. Um, but I'm just wondering if we're going to start seeing where you know one person is up in the polls for a while, they get blasted, and then you know they go down, and then <laughs> the next person comes up. You know, they get blasted by the media and by each other. Then they go down. The next person it makes me wonder if we're going to see the same thing uh, this election cycle as we did in 2012, 
uh, until we finally get someone like Kasich uh, to be the Republican nominee, whereas he picks Rubio to be his running mate. That's that's kind of like what I'm saying, regardless of you know <laughs> any controversies of, of who's eligible when it comes to Rubio. I understand that, uh, but that you know that scenario playing its way out wouldn't surprise me. Uh, so let's go ahead and go to the next uh, question I'll ask. This is, of course, you know, there's been a lot of controversy, a lot of talk about, you know, the moderators and how the moderators handle themselves and how they were almost like debating the candidates themselves and also some of their, their questions and, and how uh, off the wall some of those questions were. And now, of course, you had Obama who was saying that the Republicans were whining about it. But, you know, we'll uh, see, and of course, you know, when you have the, like the CNN debate, and actually I watch CNN, uh, it's the news station I actually watch, uh, other than, you know, Fox News, the faux news channel or whatever you want to call it. That's what I call it. But um, I'd re- I watch it over uh, Fox News, of course. I wouldn't, I wouldn't watch MSNBC in that either. But uh, what I'm saying, <clears throat> excuse me, is that, Oh, I almost lost my, my train of thought there. I was thinking about, oh, yeah. And so um, with Obama, you know, complaining or not complaining or saying they were whining, uh, you know, what do you expect from, you know, somebody from MS? I mean, that wasn't MSNBC. I might be later. Uh, CNBC and, and the couple of questions. But, you know, of course, those don't hear from me. Here's one of the questions. If you haven't heard them already, uh, that's why I've got some audience for us to listen to and discuss. Uh, but listen to one of the questions. Uh, that was asked to Donald Trump. Thanks to all the candidates. John? Mr. Trump. Yes. You've done very well in this campaign so far by promising to build a wall and make another country pay for it. Right. Send 11 million people out of the country. Cut taxes $10 trillion without increasing the deficit. Right. And make Americans better off because your greatness would replace the stupidity and incompetence of others. That's right. Let's be honest. Is this a comic book version of a presidential no, campaign? It's not a comic book, and it's not a very nicely asked question the way you say that. Uh, Larry Kudlow is an example who I have a lot of respect for, loves my tax plan. We're reducing taxes to 15%. We're bringing corporate taxes down, bringing money back in, corporate inversions. We have $2.5 trillion outside of the United States, which we want to bring back in. As far as the wall is concerned, we're going to build a wall. We're going to create a border. We're going to let people in, but they're going to come in legally. They're going to come in legally. And it's something that can be done. And I get questioned about that. They built the Great Wall of China. That's 13,000 miles. Here we actually need 1,000 because we have natural barriers. So we need 1,000. We can do a wall. We're going to have a big, fat, beautiful door right in the middle of the wall. We're going to have people come in, but they're coming in legally. And Mexico is going to pay for the wall because Mexico, I love the Mexican people. I respect the Mexican leaders, but the leaders are much sharper, smarter, and more cunning than our leaders. And just to finish, people say, oh, how are you going to get Mexico to pay? A politician, other than the people on this stage, I don't want to insult, a politician cannot get them to pay. I can. We lose. We have a trade imbalance. But with Mr. Mexico. Trump, hold on a second, John. You, you, you're, of $50 billion. We're at 60 seconds. We're at 60 me, seconds. the wall is peanuts by comparison. We're at 60 seconds, but i got to ask you, you talked about your tax plan. You say that it would not increase the deficit because you'd cut taxes $10 trillion and the economy would take off like, hold on, hold on, 
the economy would take off like a rocket ship. Right. Dynamic. I talked to economic advisors who have served presidents of both parties. They said that you have as much chance of cutting taxes that much without increasing the deficit as you would of flying away from that podium by flapping your arms really Then hard. you have to get rid of Larry Kudlow, who sits on your panel, who's a great guy, who came out the other day and said, I love Trump's tax plan. John, thank John, you better make John, John, the tax foundation. Okay, a couple points I'd like to make, and of course you can see where they're already starting to argue uh, with the candidates, uh, where they're arguing with Trump, is that uh, the first thing I want to make, yeah, the first uh, order I want to make key to is, um, you know, where they talk about a comic book campaign. Of course, once again, you know, we know this is taken from the liberal playbook, is that, you know, of course, you denigrate someone uh, to try to make them look lesser in someone's eyes to anything else that comes out of their mouth after you uh, denigrate them, of course, isn't taken as seriously. Um, we even had uh, a gentleman on the show uh, some time ago who said, you know what, we got to watch out for humor because those things that you make fun of are things that you don't take seriously. Okay. And so I think that's one of the things that they're trying to uh, do with Trump. They see he's been in the polls for up in the polls for a long time. Uh, it's definitely um, you know, out of the norm of the way the uh, uh, the presidential election is going to, especially with the two uh, outsiders, you know, and not just that political outsiders, but complete outsiders. Uh, you know, it's not being career politicians, uh, and of course, talk about Trump and Ben Carson. But a great point that Trump makes is about the Great Wall of China. You know, I remember uh, back he, uh, when, when Cincinnati uh, they built in 1970. Uh, they built uh, Riverfront Stadium, for, for those who are familiar with it. But in, I believe, the year 2000, the building was 30 years old. And they tore it down and said, well, it's it just falling apart. It's falling down. How come the Romans can build a, you know, a, a coliseum 2,000-plus years ago? I mean, for the most part, it's still standing, and we cannot build a stadium that it can last more than 30 years. Now, with the Great Wall of China, it makes a great point. You got thousands of, you know, you know, thousands of miles, you know, ten, you know, ten, over 10,000 miles of wall, and yet, you know, w which was built, you know, centuries ago. Why cannot this be done? It, it can't be, you know, for, for you know, for the economics of it. It's just the political will. And, and uh, Carly Farina brings something up later on. Uh, that I want to touch more on. And, uh, you know, when that audio clip uh, comes up, we'll <clears throat> talk more about, you know, the topics we've been seeing for, you know, the last uh, three, four election cycles plus. So, you know, why can't we? Of course, uh, the political will is up there. And, we, of course, we're using immigration over and over and over again in the, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, in the, you know, debates and the election uh, cycles. You know, every time just to have a, a you know something to talk about other than some new topics. But let's go ahead and uh, bring it back around to uh, the panel and you folks out there for your comments on everything that's heard. But first, let's go ahead and bring Cindy back in, or not back in, but Cindy. And thank you very much, Cindy, for coming to the show. We missed you greatly. How are you? Well, I'm doing okay. Um, missed you guys too. How are y'all doing? Good to hear from you, Christine. Well, thank you. Yeah, and I know Susan's been missing you as well. 
Hey, yeah. Susan. Glad to hear Hi. from you, too, kiddo. Yeah, you missed my show way back. <laughs> I haven't heard from you since. So, you know, you had a show? You well, had a he show? had me on, I mean. No, 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 he oh, had me oh, on. Okay. Oh, I, I well, it was talking about her topic about uh, water collection. Right. Okay. Yeah, I did miss that. Yeah, I've been out of town trouble. a lot. You're in trouble. Well, can I interject something here real quick before I forget it? Sure. Addressing <laughs> sure. those topics. Well, I Where are the off. serious yeah. questions like the EPA, auditing the Fed, the FDA, the Dark Act? Where are these serious questions, the flat hacks? You know, I don't hear any of that. Right. Well, and you, really, was, you, you really didn't ask it. Yeah, you really didn't hear a lot of that uh, during the debate. Go ahead, Cindy. Well, I, I was just saying, you know, I did not watch the debate. Everything that I got was um, reading transcripts and watching videos. Um, so I, I hope that I'm not, you know, I hope I'm not wrong in my analysis here. But when, when I was looking at the questions that were asked, um, What's your biggest weakness? Um, what, you know, you're skipping more votes than any other senator. Um, so we'll yeah. have that clip, by the way. Uh, uh, Fiorini wants to, uh, you know, shrink the entire tax law to three pages, um, and then and then and then he's and then um, this is Carl. He says, then twice he says. Is that is that using really small type? Uh, what a s- smart alecky! I mean, these people were so argumentative, so um, insulting. They were so, you know, they were just little people that night. I've never seen. And, and, and it kind of reminds me of Megyn Kelly the way she treated uh, Trump on the debate. Go ahead. Yeah, I I just well, you know what. I I didn't like the way Fox did it either, and 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 they were as you know they were bad in their own right, but this was actually childish. This was really childlike stuff coming out of these people. It was like two little kids playing on the uh, three little kids on the you know on the playground, putting down people that are actually better than them. You know, it's like. Uh, putting down the teachers or something. I don't know. Um, but anyway, uh, when um, um, when Harwood talked uh, to Trump about his uh, what you just now played and, and called him a, a, a comic book character, I, I just, I mean, that's that's not even a question. It's an opinion. What are they going there for? What what is what is this debate about? Isn't it to get answers? Uh, to important questions, isn't it to get policy issues um, discussed and 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 let all the candidates weigh in on their policy on policy, uh, or, or is it for is it for these um, idiots to use the GOP debate as another platform for their agenda? Because that's ba- basically all they did was argue their agenda and force their agenda into the questions. Everything, their questions were a million miles long. I mean, they went on and on and on. Um, 
with these long questions, and and they were full of uh, democratic and liberal progressive um, uh, ideology. So Trump's answer to a non-question was, well, you might as well get rid of Larry Kudlow because he sits on your panel and uh, he (laughs) loves my, my tax plan. And and that's basically, you know, they didn't even let him answer any whole questions. They interrupted the any time the candidate had a good answer and was uh, clicking right along, they would interrupt them every single time. And in fact, Quick even has to interrupt Harwood just to get a word in edgewise. And and Harwood Harwood at that point when he was talking to uh, you know talking to Cruz or talking to Trump, he'd actually been speaking more time than the candidate. Well, who's supposed to, who who are we supposed to hear in the debate? So I was very, very disappointed with what I saw. I, I was glad I didn't watch the debate the debate. I would have been yelling at the television, screaming <laughs> screaming all kinds of stuff. You idiots <laughs> Anyway, um and you know, I'm so glad to hear um, Christine on there tonight because um, I wanted to ask you. <clears throat> uh, I'm I'm with you, Christine, when you said that the questions were absolutely absurd. Um, they they were. Um, I'd like you to explain a little bit more in detail about what happened in 1965. Um, this is an issue that um, comes up again and again. And I never really understand enough to be able to. I mean, I even have a relative who is illegal, and I don't even know. I mean, they've been to lawyers, 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 trying to figure a way to get legal. Um, and everybody else around us is getting legalized, and we can't get this person legalized. And she I probably white. Uh huh. She probably white. You gotta listen to what really happened. No, no. When I when my turn comes, I'll explain to you what you're talking about. I already know about it. And the only problem with it, you guys just don't understand. Not one word of the 1965 Immigration Act. Only the opinion of Chip O'Neill and President Lyndon Devane Johnson that the United States federal communist-leaning judges that they put into office, they let them do that, but the Constitution does not allow it. They could only get that done after Senator McCarthy died. When they tried that mess in 1957, Senator McCarthy arrested the entire Supreme Court. Justice Warren them. He sent these U.S. Marshals, they had to be here before the Intelligence Committee, both the uh, the House, House uh, Immigration, uh, not, they didn't have the Immigration Committee, the House Naturalized Committee, and the Judiciary, and he would, they were made to nullify all of that stuff. Uh, four months later, Senator McCarthy was dead of some mysterious illness. Hmm, hmm, that's when they started occupying. Uh, the lower part of this country, for real, when they really started, especially in Florida, after the 1965 Immigration Act, that's what really started illegality. 
Because in the Constitution, please write this down, people, and the next time we have this discussion, I want you guys to know the truth. Please write this down. It's Article 1, Section 9, the first 19 words. That's the immigration clause in the United States Constitution that tens of millions of people came from Europe. And they did not pay thousands of dollars. All they did, they had a sponsor who lived here and who already became a citizen. And those people would send for their, you can send for anybody you want because immigration in the Constitution belongs to the people only first. There's not one word written in there that say a president, Congress, or a federal judge, they can't even to non-citizens. So does everybody have that wrote down? Start talking constitutionally so you'll know what these people are saying is wrong. If they tell you that Article 1, Section 9 is a slavery clause, laugh at them. See, at the very bottom of the slavery clause is Article 4, Section, uh, section 2, Clause 3. There's an asterisk that say amended by 14, 13. If at the bottom of Article 1, Section 9, if you don't see an asterisk say amended by 13, then it's not. It has nothing to do with slavery. It means just what it says. It says the migration. They put the word migration first. And importation of such persons, that's the one that they, they used to bring for work and indentured service. They were the white people from Europe, and the slaves were usually black people from Africa, and the people who worked on ships, they were known as Imported, and they all had to have papers for wherever they came from because they could not leave the property of who owned them. When the migrants came, all they had to do, their relatives met them at the doggone ship and carried them on home. And, you, and they didn't even have no blasted passport. You didn't really need it because it belonged to the people. Then 1965 Immigration Act took that away from the people, and when they did that, the federal courts made the states close all of the immigration offices. So how is you now going to register to be legal in this country and the folks that shut it down? And then to get it the way they wanted it, they let all of the folks from Latin America and all that crap in Cuba, not only do they come in for free, they started giving all of them the money. And they're not in, under the Constitution, Article 1, Section 8, Clause 1. Write it down, people. And I need you people to read this stuff. Don't make me read this by myself. Article 1, Section 8, Clause 1. The last sentence says that the United States should have the power to levy taxes for the welfare of America. When they take and give our tax dollars to any non-citizen, is treason, and they got to pay the money back. They've been doing this all these years. And when they first started doing it, you're going to hear Johnson and you're going to hear Tip O'Neill saying that we know this is uh, not to be done, but we're making a loan to the United States from the United States, and we're going to pay it back with interest. Newt Gingrich tried to get it back. He tried to get it back and when he was in there, but he was doing it wrong trying to legislate it out. So when he asked us to go to school, 
I found out how to get the money back is a tax refund. And what Donald Trump is talking about, he can save with $10 trillion. He can because I already won the case. It's case number 114-CV-62937. That was count two of my blocking Obama, count one of blocking Obama, that was that went through in Texas. When that one went through, then that justified count two, which was since they ain't supposed to be doing immigration no way, any money they gave well, them is unconstitutional and must be returned. Well, so that, real quick, real quick, question. And, and real quick, Christine, and before you reply, and before you, and before you reply, Cindy, and then we'll get Susan back into them. What are we We have here uh, uh, from Patricia. In the chat, and thank you okay. very much, Patricia, well, for uh, coming to the show. Hold on. Hold, hold, okay, cool. And then um, <clears throat> let's just give me this out. Excuse me. As mm. I was saying, yeah, thank you for uh, Patricia in the chat. And uh, and she is writing down uh, your clauses mm. and things of that nature, uh, mm-hmm. Christina. And she says she's been reading it, so you're dead right. And also going back um, to uh, watching the debates and, mm-hmm. you know, to – uh, things of that nature is she goes. Uh, I'm sorry, but I watch watch it all, no matter what channel it is on. And I even watched MSNBC. All of them know your enemy. Uh, that is how I see it. I was totally disgusted on those channels and how they get away with uh, that right. <clears throat> get away with that right there agenda. And then uh, yes, and she make a comment on uh, how they interrupted uh, the candidates, of course, which was opposite. Uh, of what CNN did uh, to the Democrats. Now, the CNN uh, did have the Republicans, but I didn't think that debate uh, went too bad. Uh, it certainly wasn't as bad as what we've seen on uh, CNBC. And, of course, uh, thank you much, uh, Patricia, for uh, coming on. And uh, if you'd like to, give us a call at 347-945-7428. And so let's go ahead and uh, – Bring it back to you, Cindy, if you'd like to make any comments on that, and then we will uh, bring you back in, Susan. Go ahead, Cindy. Well, every time Christine comes on, I, I have to go back and listen to the the archives of our of your show <laughs> because um, there's so much, and, and there's so much that we have to learn because we've been so dumbed down, um, you know, and Christine uh, – you know better than anybody how how we've been dumbed down. And I, I tell you what, I wish I could get you here in our county and let you do about a week-long class in the in the Constitution because uh, um, the people today, anybody my age or uh, younger, um, just does not have um, a clue. What, what I'll be cons- happy to come. No. I'll be happy to come. Well, I, I'm, I'm give me a call out. when the show is over, and I do that all the time. I travel around the country whenever I'm called upon. And I don't charge money. Nope, I can't. It's community service. Okay. Well, I will. Um, I'm I'm going to get your number from Robert, and I'll I'll give you a call because this is this is so important. And the thing is, it's not just knowing what the Constitution says; it's also following what our Congress does. Um, in all the ways that they pervert our Constitution or subvert it or um, uh, just out and out disregard it. Um, So 
um, you know, this needs to be brought out, and these debates are not bringing that out. It's like you said, these these debates are not bringing out what they need to bring out. They have silly, stupid questions. Um, uh, what, what? Um, Dr. Carson? Okay, all right, this is good, okay. <laughs> Becky Quick says, but I've had a really tough time trying to make the math work on this when he's talking when she's talking about um Dr. Carson's flat tax, right? Um well Becky, <laughs> this is for me, okay? Maybe that's cuz you were a political science major in college, not a math major, and you're not a brain surgeon. You obviously don't even remember the Reagan administration. Either you're too young or you went to too many revisionist history classes. You don't know what happened in the Clinton administration when Gingrich wrangled welfare and tax reform out of him uh, and the economy soared. And people still give Clinton and the Democrats credit for that, but it, it wasn't them. It was it was Gingrich and uh, the um conservative Republicans who had made it into the House and actually taken it in control of it for, you know, the first time in, what, 75 years or something like that. So, um, yeah, you're, you're going to have trouble with your math. And what a stupid question. I, I can't make the math work on this. Like she sat down with 73,000 pages uh, of tax uh, law and and worked it out right with her calculator. I don't think so. She's it, it's a, it's a matter of um, her using the Democrat um, talking points. And and you know there was an, you know I'm gonna I'm gonna find this. I made some notes on this. They brought another. You know how the Democrats are always coming up with new ways to say something um, and to put down. Um, conservative policies well they they came up with something i can't remember which one it was but i'm going to check my notes and i'm going to try to come up with that because uh, uh some of the things they come up with are just unbelievable and they expect us to take them seriously the only thing i can think of is that they didn't feel like they were going to have a whole lot of democrat viewer, viewers anyway uh and so they could get away with this kind of crap and whatever democrat viewers were on there they're they're already hardcore and they would actually like to hear what um, what they had to say, but anyway, um, so um, uh, you you probably have another um, clip, right, Robert? Oh, I've got oh, I've got a lot of clips. But first, let's go ahead and uh, see if Susan has any uh, things she wants to say on on those topics before I play the next one. <clears throat> um, well, I think they just didn't handle. These stupid moderators, right? I think Ron Paul knew how to when he was asked that question about his age. And another time, uh, he just called a CNN reporter stupid and walked off. That's what they should have probably done. Every single one of them said, "You're all stupid. We're not going to answer your stupid questions." And just fuck. Might have taught him a lesson, but they don't. They try to pander to them and answer stuff and it's not the way you do it. And Ron Paul knew how to handle it. They definitely needed Ron Paul there. I thought, well, Cruz's, also, uh, I thought Cruz's um answer to that was the best. He says, you know, you know, <laughs> yeah, let me say something at the outset. 
The questions that have been asked so far in this debate illustrate why the American people don't trust the media. And this is not a cat mm-hmm. cage match. And you look at the questions. Donald Trump, are you a comic book villain? Ben Carson, can you do math? John Kasich, will you insult two people over there? Marco Rubio, why don't you resign? Jeb Bush, why have your numbers fallen? How about talking the substantive issues that people care about? Okay, so well, and, and said, the contrast with the, the Democrat debate, where every fawning question from the media was, which one of you is more handsome and why? You know, that is, that's, the, that's the way it should have been answered, and I was so glad that, that Cruz said that. Yeah, I, I mean, he did the best. I, and as far as Trump saying he is admiring the Mexican people and their president or whatever, they're sharper, their leaders are smarter, and I'm like, okay, that's not saying much. <laughs> so that's what I have. That's not saying much. Speaking of the president of Mexico is just totally a jerk, and he's his own people. I knew some Mexicans that were over here. I don't know whether they were legal or not. The law works in the fruit sheds, you know, the orchards here in Idaho. And uh, uh, some of them couldn't even write their own name in Spanish. Yeah, their schooling is appalling. They they don't care about their people. It's really bad over there. And let's go ahead and uh, bring it forward and uh, speak about one of those questions. Uh, so we do have an audio uh, that was asked uh, to Carson on his tax plan. Oh, my God, we're coming back to you in a minute. Becky's yeah. moving on. Dr. Carson, let's talk about taxes. You you have a flat tax plan, plan of 10% flat taxes, and I've looked at it, and this is something that is very appealing to a lot of voters, but I've had a really tough time trying to make the math work on this. If you were to take a 10% tax with the numbers right now on total personal income, you're going to come in with bringing in $1.5 trillion. That is less than half of what we build, bring in right now. And by the way, it's going to leave us in a $2 trillion hole. So what analysis got you to the point where you think this will work? Well, first of all, uh, I didn't say that the rate would be 10%. Uh, I used the tithing analogy. I, I understand okay. that, but if you, but the if rate, you look at the numbers, the, the you probably rate, have to get to 28 the, the rate is going to be much closer to 15%. 15% you will, still leaves you with well, a $1.1 $1. $1 trillion dollar hole. You also have to get rid of all the deductions and all the loopholes. You also have to do some strategic cutting uh, in several places. Remember, we have 645 federal agencies and sub-agencies. Mm-hmm. Anybody who tells me that we need every penny in every one of those is uh, in a fantasy world. So also, we can stimulate the economy. That's going to be the real growth engine, stimulating the economy because it's Tethered tether down you'd right now cut, with so many to, regulations. You'd have to cut government by about 40% to make it work with a $1.1 trillion roll. It's, it's not true. And, and it when, is true. I looked at the numbers. When we, when, we, when we put all of the facts down, you'll be able to see that it's not true. It works out very well. Dr. Carson, thank you. Well, when she said thank you at the end, you know, I guess there's a little politeness there. And uh, just a comment here from Patricia, and this is uh, to you, uh, Christine. She says, bless you, Christine, Congress. Twists every word and average, and the average person does not read and just take one word for it. Uh, thank you, Christine. You are spot on. I have read the clauses. Okay, the political well, correct is not uh-huh. reaching truth to people. 
Well, you know, I'll, I'll just be just like I said about everything else. Not one word of what anyone has said tonight is in the Constitution except Donald Trump. You can't give entitlements to non-citizens. It is treason. You have to pay that money back to the citizens and the tax. And the, the reason that people are out of this country is because they keep doing tax plans that's not in the Constitution. Miss whoever that was talk, who's talking about these tax plans, including Ben Carson, all you got to do, first thing you do in order to come back to America, you have to cut all of the anchor baby mamas off, the millions of them who are living in $2,000 condo units for free on welfare from the Americans, you got to stop that. You can't do it. That's the national debt. People count this up. Billions of dollars a week to tens of millions of people who are constitutionally eligible. That's the entire national debt that they refuse to admit. They don't tell you. Donald Trump came to closer to it when he talked about the $10 trillion because he got that from me. I sent that to him. It's in all, it's, I told y'all that. It's case number. Y'all think I'd be talking to myself talk. Write this down. It's case number 14-CV-62937. Christine Timmons v. Barack Obama. That it was online for free, but I heard they've taken it offline since these debates have came up. But if you want a copy of it, you can always call me, and I'll definitely send it to you. It was the one that Judge Hanin used to block Obama and tell him that him or the United States can't bring immigrants. That's when I thought they were going to listen and take them off the taxes. They ain't did nothing until Donald Trump, he's talking about it now. So to tell you the truth is he was absolutely right about that. What he was wrong about is building the wall. And I done told him he can't do stuff that's not in the Constitution. You don't need to build a wall. We got to tear down a wall. See, America's problem is there's already a wall up there. It's made out of money. Ask the Heritage Foundation. They done told y'all every time they come across that border, do you people write this down? Under the 1965 Immigration Act and all the, the opinions that came up after that, Every American citizen and every American business is, write it down, required to pay a tax to everybody who come across that border. That's why Obama stands there and blithely says that I'm going to set up health care programs for illegals because the Immigration Act of 65 already does that. The federal judges wrote that. That they have to be put on SSI and they have to be put on welfare, even though the Constitution say if you do that, you're supposed to be shot at sunrise. That's high, high sedition. Write it down. Amendment 14, Section 3, tell you when they do things like that to you that it is rebellion, insurrection, and giving aid and comfort to the enemy, which in combination is sedition. That's the highest crime you can commit against your American citizens. That's why I tell y'all, don't listen to them. Read first. And I know I might sound stupid, but this is what we had to do in elementary school. When the reason y'all keep saying dumb down is because you're right. They deliberately wanted to make sure in this day, that when Christine Timmer started talking, ain't nobody going to know what she's talking about. 
but you're going to learn these things because I'm going to stay with you guys. I'm not going to quit because I think I have to give you all another two months, and I'll have to sit down and listen to you all tell what's constitutionally wrong with their tax plans. The main thing wrong with it, I just told you all, is Article 1, Section 8, Clause 1. They can't give these trillions of dollars to non-citizens. Okay, and Christine, I have to stop it right there because real quick, real quick, Christine, we'll bring it back to you. I got to stop it right there because it is the top of the hour. And so, uh, two things I want to do is for the folks out there, whether you're listening live or whether you're listening uh, to the archive. Of course, thank you very much for doing so. But take some time to uh, take the link that you use to come to the show tonight. Uh, whether, as I said, it's live or archive, and send it out to your uh, followers on Twitter. We're also on the pages you are uh, on Facebook, so send out the link and invite your friends to come and join us on the show so uh, they can be heard as well. Uh, and also, if you have email, uh, just add the link uh, with the description of tonight's show uh, and email it out to folks uh, on your email list. Uh, so while you're on the line or while you're listening to this, um, I'm going to be playing uh, the audio from our good friends at the Patriot Journals Network. So while we're taking the 30 seconds or so to uh, listen from the Patriot Journals Network, go ahead and get on your Twitter or your Facebook account or even your email and email folks the link to uh, the show uh, so they can listen to uh, the our audio and hear what our show is all about because, uh, indeed, Bart's logic is about you, we the people. It is your show, the people's show, and, of course, uh, that being said, let's get more of you, we the people here uh, to to show and participate. And so go ahead and send out those emails and uh, Twitters or tweets, they call them, or there on Facebook to the different pages and groups you belong to as well as your friends. And so while we're doing that, let's go ahead and hear from the Patriot Journalist Network. You're not just listening to a show. You're part of the powerful voice of the conservative conversation on Blog Talk Radio. Nothing worthwhile has ever been accomplished without teamwork. PJNet invites you to help make a difference by adding your voice to the team, grassroots, conservatives working together to take our country back. To find out more, check out the PJNet hashtag and visit our website at patriotjournalist.com. Let PJNet add our muscle to your hustle. Definitely, folks, check out the Patriot Journalist Network and their Twitter team by going to www.patriotjournalist.com. And also to give uh, you folks more time to send out those emails and tweets and uh, post the link on Facebook, uh, I'm going to go ahead and play our next clip. And this is a little uh, argument, uh, a little back and forth between Carson, Trump, and Kasich. Where are you going to clean it up? You have to deal with entitlements. You have to be in a position to control discretionary spending. You've got to be creative and imaginative. Now, let me just be clear, John. I went into Ohio where we had an $8 billion hole, and now we have a $2 billion surplus. We're up 347,000 jobs. When I was in Washington, I fought to get the budget balanced. I was the architect. It was the first time we did it since man walked on the moon. We cut taxes. And we had a $5 trillion projected surplus when I left. That's hard work. Governor. Fiscal discipline. Know what you're doing. Creativity. This stuff is fantasy, just like getting rid of you, Medicare and Medicaid. You said yesterday. Come on. That's just not – you don't scare senior citizens with that. It's not responsible. Well, let, let, let's just get more pointed about it. You said yesterday 
that you were hearing proposals that were just crazy from your colleagues. Who yeah. are you talking about? Well, I mean, right here, to talk about we're just going to have a 10% tithe and that's how we're going to fund the government, and we're, we're going to just fix everything with uh, waste, fraud, and abuse, or that we're just going to be great, or we're going to ship 10 million Americans or 10 million people out of this country, leaving their children here in this country and dividing families. Folks, we've got to wake up. We, we cannot elect somebody that doesn't know how to do the job. You've got to pick somebody who has experience, somebody that has the know-how, the discipline. And I spent my entire lifetime balancing federal budgets, growing jobs, the same in Ohio. And I will go back to Governor, Washington with my plan, Governor, and I will you, Governor. send it within 100 days, and it will pass, <laughs> Mr. and it will be strong again. Thank Mr. you, Trump. 30 seconds. First of all, John got lucky with a thing called fracking, okay? He hit oil. He got lucky with fracking. Believe me, that's why Ohio is doing well. Number, and that's important for you to know. Number two, this is the man that was a managing general partner at Lehman Brothers when it went down the tubes and almost took every one of us with us, including Ben and myself. Because I was there and I watched what happened, and Lehman Brothers started it all. He was on the board and he was a managing general partner. <laughs> okay. And just thirdly, he was so nice. He was such a nice guy. And he said, Oh, I'm never going to attack. But then his poll numbers tanked. He's got very, that's why he's on the end. And he got nasty. And he got nasty. So you know what? You can have him. Okay, let me just, let me, let, yeah, let me, let me just, let me, let me respond. First of all, Ohio does have an energy industry, but we're diversified. We're one of the fastest growing states in the country. We came right. back from the dead. And you know what? It works very, very well. And secondly, when you talk about me being on the board of Lehman Brothers, I wasn't on the board of Lehman Brothers. I was a banker and I was proud of it. And I traveled the country and learned how people make jobs. We ought to have politicians who not only have government experience, but know how the CEOs and the job creators work. My state is doing great across the board, and guess what? In 2011, I've got Governor, a deal in agreement Governor, with the board yeah, a lot of that he tried to take credit for four, four years later. It's a joke. Thank you, Governor. Uh, Becky, Dr. Carson, Becky, let me, you'd like let, let me, let me give 30 seconds to Dr. Carson. Since I was a tech, we'll too. To Thank you. Uh, let me just say, uh, if you're talking about an $18 trillion economy, you're talking about a 15% tax on your gross domestic product, you're talking about... 2.7 trillion. We have a budget closer to 3.5 trillion. Mm -hmm. But if you also apply that same 15% to uh, several other things, including corporate taxes uh, and including uh, the capital gains taxes, you make that amount up pretty quickly. So that's not by any stretch pie in the sky. Thank you. If, if you yeah. want a 10%. Okay, folks, and that is a little uh, uh, argument uh, between those. I guess that's kind of what the debates are uh, sort of like. Uh, I mean, I, yeah, Kasich brought up some good points. Uh, I'd like to hear more uh, details from Carson. I like Carson, don't get me wrong. But I think, you know, as the debates uh, continues and the campaigns continue, we're definitely going to have to hear more uh, details from him, especially during the debates, because let's be honest, that's what, uh, you know, the majority of the folks uh, pay attention. And I want to go ahead and also uh, thank you, uh, folks, uh, for sharing. Uh, namely, I've seen some uh, posts there on Facebook uh, by Patricia and also by you, Susan. So I want to thank you guys uh, for sending this out and also uh, sending up the emails, things of that nature. I uh, really appreciate it. 
so let's go ahead and see if there's any comments on uh, what we've heard so far there. We'll go ahead and bring in Susan, uh, and then we'll bring it back to uh, you, uh, Cindy, and then uh, Christine will bring you in. And then I, Kelly will be calling in. Our panel's schedule will be calling in later on. He is working uh, on some things, uh, so we'll be hearing from him tonight uh, at some point. But let's go ahead and bring it over to you, Susan. Go ahead. Uh, they sure like to argue much ado about nothing, I guess. Um, I say a flat tax or even a fair tax is the way to go myself. Um, and I don't know why it's not been done, but I think it's, I mean, if you have a flat tax, for example, and whatever number you pick, the government has to learn the budget and live without money. And if they can't, oh, well, they run out to bad tough cities, so to speak. Um, you know, they have to live like the rest of us then. And, you know, really, if they tax everybody that, I mean, you, big corporations and all that stuff, they would have more money than what they have right now to play with. They would. That's been proven. So, that's all I got. I'm kind of, I, I probably will get off by 930. I am so tired because I'm babysitting my grandkids, so to speak, while my daughter and her husband are on a cruise. So I'm getting up really early, taking them to school, and oh my gosh, I'm just ready mm-hmm. to doze off. <laughs> well, I know. I can so, yeah, I completely understand. I really appreciate it, Susan. And just to let you know, uh, now next Wednesday, uh, next week, I'm taking a short one-week hiatus, folks, uh, from the show. I do have uh, an anniversary that I'm going to be celebrating, so I will not be here next week, but we will be back on the 8th. Thank you. And we will be back on the 18th, and we are working on bringing back on to the show the now governor-elect Matt Bevan, who we have had about uh, three times on the show. Yep, we had him on the show uh, three times, and he did uh, win his – election for the governor of Kentucky, and so we're very happy to hear about that, and I was talking with uh, his uh, scheduler uh, earlier today, and so we are working on uh, when we could get him on. We're hoping for uh, the 18th. It just depends on, of course, I'm sure you know, uh, his media is going to be (laughs) expanding now, Uh, so uh, we'll keep uh, you posted with uh, posts, uh, no pun intended there. It just happened that way. Uh, on uh, whether getting Matt Bevan on. So, of course, uh, for those who are in Kentucky and those who are listening from the Matt Bevan campaign, I definitely want to put out our congratulations uh, for him and winning his campaign. Uh, I know the Conway campaign was actually rather shocked uh, because it was supposed to be a really close campaign, and I believe that he won by eight percentage points. Uh, So it was uh, good to see uh, them come out and uh, get a – uh, but I can talk uh, is get a victory for a grassroots campaign and somebody who is not a career politician. So we're, I'm definitely happy to, to be able to announce that. Yeah, you were really pushing for him, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one, you know, I'm in Ohio. So, uh, <clears throat> you know, definitely it's, it's our neighbor, our state neighbor. And as I said, we've had him on the show three times. He was kind enough to spend a good deal of time with us and have a conversation with us, which, you know, is, is good to hear. And also, as I said, he was a truly grassroots campaign, uh, a grassroots candidate that has never held political office before. 
Uh, so he's never been, in a, you know, an attorney general, never been a, uh, a mayor, you know, nothing of that nature. Uh, so and now he's governor of Kentucky. So it's always good to have a, a truly grassroots candidate, um, you know, on this, you know, in office. <laughs> so I'm happy to hear that from. And also think of this, folks, is he is the only the only second. And, you know, I'm an independent here, uh, but just for historical reasons, he is the, only the second Republican governor of Kentucky in the last 40 years. So that that, that should be telling of what this uh, where, where the country's at. Uh, at least this is supposed to have been a bellwether of what uh, the country's uh, looking at for the what they call the outsider uh, candidates. And so uh, with his victory, you know, that can uh, be a foreshadowing of what uh, elections are to come when it comes to outside uh, outsider candidates. And so uh, that being said, uh, let's go ahead and I'm going to move on with something uh, Fiorina said. And something I would want I wanted to talk more about uh well not necessarily the topic she's talking about, but a Robert, point that she brings up that I think's important. Yes. Robert, can can I comment on the last one first before you go on? No. I'm just kidding, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, um and, and the reason I the reason I want to do that is because I, I have another question for Christine Christine. And um, sure. so, so I wanted to. I, I didn't want to pass on that issue until I heard from her about it. Um, okay, so after you know a series of really stupid questions, um, and and Trump has uh, answered one lame question, and Carson, the brain surgeon, has been insulted mm-hmm. by a blonde, ditzy political ma- science major. Okay, they, um, you know, nobody's had any decent substantive time. Then they moved to Christie, who is nowhere in the polls, and they use him to make it sound like all the GOP wants to do is take money from old people and disabled people and children. Okay. Um, now, this issue of entitlements has come up again and again, and the only the only uh, government monies going out that I call true um, entitlements are monies that people actually spent paid into. So they are entitlements. If if they pay into something, they're in, they're entitled to it. However, I I'm sure that Christine will tell us <laughs> that the whole program, all these programs of entitlements um well, are probably well, uh most unconstitutional and, well, and not to mention not to mention the ones that aren't really entitlements. Those are the ones where government checks are going out to people who never paid into them. Uh, so tell me what you think about that, uh, that I'll issue. I'll tell you. You can ask that real, real, Christine, real, Christine, real quick. Christine, real quick. I just I got an update. And hold on. Hold on. Christine, Christine, hold on a second. Um, I just got an update real quick uh, from Kelly. Uh, he'll be giving us a call in about 15 minutes. Okay. So I will be quick. You can you and he's gonna be and he's gonna be called also. hold on, he's gonna be he, he's gonna be giving us an update on some hold on, he's gonna be giving us some part uh information on some tea party and some DHS uh police mm-hmm. information uh that he's uh come in contact with uh there where he's at. So definitely wanna talk 
uh, about that with what Kelly's going to be bringing in in about 15 minutes. But let's go. I want to, he just uh, sent me a message. I wanted to uh, convey that, let us know. He'll be coming in about 15 minutes to discuss that. Go ahead, uh, Christine. Yeah, let's do 30 seconds. Uh, sweetheart, you can answer that question your own self. Just read Article 1, Section 8, Clause 1. That is the Congressional Tax Clause. That's the only way you can do it. They can say anything they think they're big enough to say, but if it's not in Article 1, Section 8, Clause 1, they cannot do it. So all the billions of dollars that they're giving every week to millions, tens of millions of people ineligible, they just simply can't do it. That answers your question. From now on, when you watch these debates and they start talking about taxes, Look at Article 1, Section 8, and say to yourself, can they do that? When you read what they're saying, if they're saying they're going to give tax entitlements to this one and that and other, you're going to ask, well, who are these people? Have they mentioned anything about taking these people out of it? If you never hear that, then they're all wrong. And the president can't raise taxes no way. That's not in his purview. The only time a president can raise taxes is through executive order when Congress is supposed to be doing they don't. And it has to be in the Constitution. That's what was wrong. That's what was wrong with President, what's his name, uh, Obama. He's going by the opinion of President Johnson and Chip O'Neill in the 1965 Immigration Act. People, that's what started all this, but it's not the law. It's not in the Constitution. Write this one down before I, and then I'm going to get off. Write down Article 1, Section 6. For all of you who say, ain't nothing we can do about it, you a lie. You can arrest them. I need everybody to write that down right now and get your handbook out and highlight the second clause. It tells you how to arrest them in their district. That's what they took out the Constitution for, so you'd be on the radio like this, don't you know your head from your feet, and the moderators too. They don't know any better. So you got to start knowing this on your own, and this is why I travel all over the country for free. I just ask people if I don't have enough for my lodging, help me with that, but I don't collect any money. Never, I would be insulted because people need to know this elementary school stuff so they won't have you scrambling like I hear you scrambling tonight with this little elementary school stuff. That's the first thing we learned. It's Article 1, Section 8, Clause 1. The first thing we learned was how taxes are raised in this country. And all this stuff they're doing, they can't do almost none of it. And the substitute that y'all worried about, guess what? Same story. Non-citizens, even the one they call naturalized, can't be in it. Every dime of their money in Social Security got to be confiscated and left in there to strengthen Social Security, and they're supposed to be paying a work duty to the United States to go into to, to plans like Social Security. Do you hear me? All of these things are things you're going to learn from me over these next six months before election even happens. By then, I need y'all to sound like you went to elementary school in the 50s because you didn't know these little things. They had two rulers. The first one was a 12-inch ruler. If you miss it on the little test, that's what you got. The second one, when you came in for the final test, she had a big paddle on that desk. And I bet you I never got one of them because I studied. And for right now, this is the last thing I'm going to say to you. Don't think Christine Tim is so smart. This is I'm a new language operative. He sent me forth. Christine, all you people who can help our people go forth to school and learn. 
So don't think it's about me because I'm extremely beautiful. I could have been partying. New Jenkins said, I'd like to thank you very much, but you got 20 more years to go to serve. So I'm serving a 25-year-to-life sentence for New Gingrich to make sure that all Republican conservatives know the truth from elementary school, and that's the only thing that's going to save us. Now, I'm done for a while. Well, um, do, do you see any any remedy for the, I mean, we've already got ourselves knee deep in, the, I mean, way deep into Social Security and Medicare and all these things that we've been paying into for all these years. My husband's been paying into it for more than 40 years, uh, and, and so has many, many other uh, people. So what do we do now? How do what is a constitutional way to um not um just say, well, you can't you can't have all that money you paid into for 40 years and yet we need to be able to get rid of the whole program. So what do you do? What well, what is well, well, what you what do about that is the same thing I just told you. Write it down. Article 1, Section 8, Clause 1, that's a congressional duty as well, and they're supposed to make sure that no money comes out of there that's not supposed to, like SSI was never supposed to be put in the same program as Social Security, an administration of Social Security, because all that money gets mixed up and it goes to where it's not supposed to go to strengthen up other programs. That's the first thing you do. Write it down, Article 1, Section 8, Clause 1, that's the congressional tax clause. they got to do it that way, if, they, if, they, if you don't like what they're doing, write it down again. Article 1, Section 6. It's only about 30 words. It says, each of them is privileged from arrest uh, except for treason, felony, and breach of peace. In session and going to and from session, in speech and debate, and in other places. What that means is when they get back to the district, if they done wrote something that's treason, any time they write any law that's not in that Constitution, it's treason. And when they give out our money like that, it's sedition because it violates all three parts of the uh, the not. Uh, Amendment 14, Section 3, they went into rebellion. They pulled insurrection against you and the Constitution when they wrote that law, and they gave aid and comfort to the enemies in combination with sedition. So that's what you do. In Georgia, about eight months ago, they tried a Georgia county commissioner for sedition. He wrote laws that wasn't in that Constitution, and he is in Georgia State Prison right now. He only got three years, but the fact now, is he you, didn't get it. Do you get the Do you get the sheriff to arrest him or uh, local you police? You can't or- do it. What it says is at the very bottom. It says in other places, and I got a petition out right now, circulating slowly, but it's out there. It shows you how to do that, and it's, it's already got all the things written in it that you can start out with that will stop all of this stuff and will get our money back. Every citizen of this United States, except the one naturalized after the 60s, has at least a five to $10,000 income tax refund. All the business that they ran overseas, do you know why the businesses go overseas? If they stay here, Congress, every month, Congress takes billions of dollars from them out of their bottom line to give it to all of these people. If you do that, if you use Article 1, Section 6, 
you're going to scare the bejeebus out of them at the next election. Now, the court is supposed to accept your plea, but you know they ain't going to do it. So what we got to do is get it out to the people. You get enough people knowing it, the press is going to have to pick it up. Once the press picks it up, and even if they don't in your own area, you when the next election comes, get people to run against the incumbents and read that petition and say, instead of reelecting, we should be arresting you. And then they run against them. You can knock out a lot of incumbents like that. You can go back in the archives to the 40s and the 50s, and you can see movies. Uh, when they get here to their they district, they get uh, they can either handcuff them right then and there, or they knock on the door from the sheriff, appear in court. And how they got out of it? They blamed it on the staffer. And the reason they did that was because they really don't do the research. They depend on what some stupid staffer wrote, and they get up and do it. So that's how you stop it. You start letting them know that you're not apathetic anymore and you don't feel powerless. I've had people call me and say, Christine, uh, oh, God, I feel so powerless. I said, why? Well, you know, nothing to do. I said, arrest them. Arrest them. Threaten to arrest them. Just start threatening them. you got the constant. If you don't do it, darn it, they ain't going to listen. You should hear what they tell me. I done spent thousands of dollars in D.C. this year. They know better. They're telling me, Christine, so what? Ain't nothing they can do about it. Every time I call them now and go to quote that clause, whoa, you can hear a rat urinating on Venus. They get so quiet that they scared. <laughs> I'm telling you guys, that scares them. You have you, When you call your, your whoever it is and you read Article 1, Section 6 and say, I done found out I can have you arrested when you get back here. It can't be just Christine Timmons. It can't be just New Gingrich. See, I'm just channeling for New Gingrich. He said, go forth, my people. Try to help. We're going to need this in 20 years. And I want to go forth and party. But he's like, oh, Christine Timmons, is you kidding? She ain't, she's going to Common Sam Cooley Law School. I don't care how long it took. It took nine years. It didn't really take that. But once you start really getting into this and you see how wrong they are, you can't put the book down. And I refuse to put it down. And now I can get on this show like Newt asked me to do, and I can feel some intelligence flowing into you people. This is the most intelligent thing you're ever going to learn. It was from elementary school in the 50s. Everybody in this country knew the Constitution. That's why it's not there. If you still knew the truth, wouldn't let this stuff be happening. See, this is on purpose. Yeah. What Donald Trump said, final thing I want to tell you, this is where Don is wrong. What he said about their brilliance, he should have told you what their brilliance is. You know what that is? They came to America brought by the Democrats and went to all of the industrial states where mostly blacks work because they invented everything and they blew goofy dust, stuff that America had never heard of. They were smart enough to bring the strongest drugs to this country. And as a result, two years after they brought those drugs to this country, Ford, GM, and Chrysler, they had drugs. That's how they got to Mexico. I know you think it was some big smart thing. It wasn't. All they did was flooded all those states, including John Chase's. Akron, Ohio, went down to the ground. He didn't tell y'all that. He also didn't tell you that he was not the one who wrote the welfare reform. I wrote every word of it, and I can prove it. I wrote every word. He didn't tell y'all all this stuff. That's what happened to his state. They got drugged to death, just like Poughkeepsie, New York, uh, Allentown, Pennsylvania, 
every industrial city in Michigan, Ohio, and Illinois that had 4GM and Chrysler, even though this country never heard of drugs, and I, to y'all know I love to run my mouth. I told everybody, don't do this. No one listened. I said, if you do this, we are all going to be so drugged until you won't be able to do your work and you'll have our factory will be gone. And then they stop and tell y'all, well, the Republicans run them out with NASA, and it was simple. They blew goofy dust off everybody's nose and shot silly water heroin in their arm for two years and started drug wars for almost 30 years, and the result was getting out of the industry out of here and getting their people up here. That's the end of that story. There's nothing else I can take except Article 1, Section 6. You can arrest everyone I'm right now, and Donald Trump don't have to be the president to do this. Anybody can do it. With his power, he can send them petition out to everybody in this country, and everybody will know the truth that you can arrest Congress. He can do that right now. He can have every one of them put in prison. Every one. Hey, so that's what Christine, I got to have say. you ever have you actually held, have you actually had uh some conversation well, with Trump? Well well I I I'm probably one of the few people that actually speak to the staff. They will answer the phone when I call occasionally, but I leave him so many messages. Two times a week, Donald Trump gets an eight and a half by eleven Manila envelope with everything you hear him say about that ten trillion dollars and anything he say. He got it all from Christine Timmons when he told y'all uh, about the Fourteenth Amendment. You know what he was doing? He was telling off Jeff Sessions, and I would love to have been there when the forty thousand people was there, and he told them about that. I bet you Jeff was hot around the collar, and he won't even answer my phone call now because I told him Jeff. Why you tell John Trump that lie? The Amendment 14 don't do all this stuff. So that's what he was doing when he was mentioning that. He's the only one. He, uh, he get, And I got four letters from Donald Trump already, and it's two years before the election. You can't even do that until 60 days before the election. Campa- it's not campaign. It's thank you, thank you, thank you. You are a valued member of Team Trump. I got four letters on that. So, yes, I do communicate him. He, they be, they waiting right now on this letter. This letter tells him all he got to do is stop running his mouth, just get to be the president, and just take up the executive order pen. He another, he's required. Every president is required to nullify anything that he has to preside over if it's not in that Constitution. If a president don't do that, he becomes the seditionist, can face arrest. And this is why they don't want my mouth out there, because I'm too conservative, And but it's not a Christine Timmons conservatism. This ain't nothing but new gangrene. He, you, the Bible tells you, send forth your people to ready the land for the folk. I'm just okay. a sender for and, her. And Christine, it is, uh, uh, you know, bottom of uh, the second hour, and it is 1130 okay. Eastern time. And so let's go ahead, and Kelly is on the line, so let's go ahead and open up the line for Kelly. Kelly, thank you very much uh, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Hey, man. Well, I'm not doing so good. I'm a little upset at what happened today with uh, the DHS police in Wairika. I actually talked to the guy, took videos of his vehicle. Um, But I first want to talk about our local sheriff here in in uh, Siskiyou County. John Lopey, pretty decent fellow. We had him on the show uh, one time when we had several, a couple sheriffs and uh, the, uh, what's his name? Uh, Christopher, I think the attorney. Or the, anyway. And so 
the teapot last night, we're, we are concerned here where there's a lot of federal lands, um, and we are concerned at some things that have happened here, and the locals express their frustration, kind of saying, hey, you know, why aren't you protecting us? And, um, you know, the sheriff is the Supreme Law Enforcement Officer of the County Posse Comitatus, and, um, you know, he has the ability to uh, say yes or no, you can come to the county or not. Rob Hurd in Tehama County, he threatened a couple uh, federal agents with arrest. They left the county. That's the power of the sheriff. Sheriff Max working on this and some other people as well, Oath Keepers, et cetera. And so we were expressing some of our concerns, and he's just a little background. I asked him some questions. That I, kind of, I had to corner our sheriff, okay? I had three questions. I finally cornered him. But our sheriff is in a position where, you know, we're a rural county. We're poor. We used to be uh, one of the wealthiest counties in the entire state. But he has limited funds, so he has to depend upon um, state and sometimes federal agencies. And so I raised my hand and said, hey, you know, uh, the question and answer last night at the Tea Party says, hey, you know, uh, is there some way that uh, you can bring in locals to help you in a posse, you know, vet people, train people, because that way we're not so dependent upon county and federal agencies and he kind of hum hawed around it a little bit. Um, then I uh, cornered him a second time or tried to. I said, look, let me paint a scenario. Well, first background about the, the Jenners. The Jenners, uh, federal agencies showed up on a rancher's property worried about a little fish. And the locals were getting upset. John Wise had called the town hall meeting. He called the feds and, what are you doing? You know, you're here with Noah. You're like 300 miles to the ocean. What's going on here? So he said, agent showed up with guns without a warrant. Um, a lot of people were very upset. And um, so that was a general situation. I said, okay, now look, I want to paint a scene for you, and then I'm going to ask you a question. Here's the scene. Another general uh, situation happens. The feds are showing up without a warrant, with guns, and you show up with posse members from the community, say 20 people. You stand there and you say, hi, I'm Sheriff Lopi, and... Uh, this is my posse, and my regular uh, sheriff's deputies are out in the rounds, but uh, we just, you know, want to show up and what's going on here. Here's the question. How do you think the feds respond? And then he him and hung out around that a little bit. Finally, third question, I said, look, this question isn't for you, it's for the audience, okay? Members of the audience, suppose you were trained and vetted and you're in the posse and Sheriff Lopey called upon you when another Jenner situation occurred. How many of you would show up on a call by the sheriff? Almost everybody raised their hands. I said, look, this is to show you the support you have. And we'll see what happens if people start trying to get in the posse because we have a chronic dependence upon state and federal grants and state and federal resources. We are not the sheriff, other sheriffs have protected their people. I'm I'm trying to corner him on this. Okay, so fine, we've got state and federal working with the sheriff, which by consent, that's okay. But just today, I had to call the sheriff's office. What in the heck is the DHS, Department of Homeland Security Police, doing here? And the dispatch didn't know anything about it. I basically was walking down the sidewalk, oh, a wide week police department has a new vehicle. It's kind of different. It said police on it, you know, big black letters. Getting closer, in the fine print, I saw Department of Homeland Security 
I'm like, gosh, I'm like, what the heck? You're in a little town? Come on, we got enough law enforcement. We don't need DHS. That was a little bit frightening. So I took the video, uh, shot some pictures. Iconically near a store, everyone would recognize the big billboard sign they have. So then I went to my house, dig up the phone, trying to call uh, the sheriff to see, you know, what dispatch, what's going on here, guys? So I go out in the hallway, this little mini mall, so I got my office. And the DH, you know, I said to one of my business neighbors, hey, go check out the DHS vehicle out there. Just then, the guy walks out from this restaurant next door. He was parked there, and he went to have lunch next door. He said, well, what's wrong with the DHS? Well, I had a conversation with the guy. I said, what are you doing here? (laughs) Most people, I don't think they'd have the boldness I had. What are you doing here? He said, well, I'm here on a drug bust. I was like, well, um, did you check in with the sheriff? Oh, I don't have to. I'm going to make this real quick, this little interview. He basically said, it's not procedure. We don't have to. It's incorporated city. Oh, good. So you checked in with uh, Brian Bowles, the chief of police. No, I didn't check in with the chief, but I did talk to another officer to get some crime stats. I'm like, whoa. So, you know, he, you know, a couple of times, I don't have to check in with the sheriff. I don't have to check in with the chief of police. So I went back to my office, started writing some things about, you know, and we had a little dispute about jurisdiction. You may not have it. And he's like, no, 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 federal, everything. No, 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 no. And we talked about jurisdiction before on the show. You know, states have jurisdiction where feds don't. And there's, anyway, so I quickly typed out some notes on jurisdiction, hoping I'd catch him before he left. And I, I wrote him a little note. Um, here's what the note said. I handed it to him. Uh, please check in with Sheriff John Lopey. See also Title 40, Section 255 of the U.S. Code, Interpretive Note Number 14. See also Mayfield versus U.S. and United States versus Bond and the Posse Comitatus Act of 1878. The locals will be very upset if you don't check in with Sheriff Lopey. So I went out to the street. He was there. And I'm like, hey, you know, kind of like raise my hand. I'm like, hey, I want to talk some more. So he waited for me, and by that time, uh, a YPD, a Rico Police Department car had come up, and I noticed uh, Officer Taylor. So we talked a little more, and I said, hey, you know, here's a note, you know, you might want to check out the sheriff. And he goes, oh, I don't have to. I said, hey, Officer Taylor, can you come over here? Um, I said that in indirect reaction as soon as he said, well, can I see some ID? I looked at him, I tilted my head like, are you out of your freaking mind? I ain't giving you any ID. And so Officer Taylor, I said, hey, can you come over here? So he did. He just kind of stood there. I'm trying to explain to this man, it's really a good idea to check in with Sheriff Lopey. And he, the officer didn't say anything. And the uh, the Fed kind of backed down, seeing the interaction between uh, deputy, uh, police officer Taylor and me. And he said, well, you know, if you tell me who you are, maybe we go go talk to the sheriff. I'm like, no. I said, just, you know, maybe you want to study this on jurisdiction and authority and and I just you know we just kinda of loved each other not knowing what to do, knowing there's a local witness here in case he wanted to rough me up or whatever for questioning him. So then I just kinda of turned around and just kinda of left saying, Hey good luck, you know, just kinda of setting a tone that I'm not his personal enemy. But I was very upset about the whole scenario and what happened today. So I wrote it up and I'm going to be, uh, I put a call on the sheriff and I talked to the city, uh, the mayor. I know the mayor personally. He loves the Constitution. What's going on, guys? Why do we need this?
Well, that that was an awesome uh, little uh, story there, Kelly. How how come it is that you're the one that always comes across stuff like that? <laughs> Nobody else sees that but you. I I have no idea. I mean, I was on my way to help a couple kids. We're just fortunate. To, I was actually back from the, the police department because they have vouchers for uh, people that are just fortunate the shelter won't open until the 17th, but I was just walking back. Funny, I was just at the police department, and they, they had no vouchers. Okay, fine. I was going to get some food, whatever, do what I could for these kids. And that's when I noticed this. At first, I'm like, oh, it's just another YPD card, but it's new. It's different. Didn't really think much about it. Getting closer, I'm like, what? What? So, either the sheriff, it sounds like the sheriff has no idea. Even even the may, the chief of police doesn't know about it from what this guy indicated. is, You know, I don't have to check in. So, who who, who involved so was, there actually a, was there actually a yeah. drug bust that went down that day? Well, actually, well, and Officer Taylor, when I said, hey, you know, uh, can you come on over here, you know, for my protection? He said, well, I, I don't have too much time because I got somebody arrested in the back. Um, so, obviously, it might have been a uh, prisoner exchange, if you will, going to a federal courthouse because we did have a big drug bust last week of 21 people that weren't from the area. They all spoke a, spoke a foreign language, and all of a sudden they couldn't speak English, but 21 people got busted. But the, the DHS was not involved, and I'm aware of but maybe they found some kingpin and they were transferring him from YPD into um, to uh, Homeland Security for federal. But why Homeland Security? We have U.S. Marshals. We have contract. There are people on contract. I met a guy. He transports prisoners from jurisdiction to jurisdiction. But why department? He drove seven hours to get here. Hmm. Well, uh, you can drive seven hours for most every place in the country to get to California. <laughs> well, yeah, it's probably I-5 north or south, but you think about the cost of this, okay? Yeah. Seven hours one way, seven hours another, that's 1400 bucks an hour at least. That's 1400 bucks plus two days here for whatever he was doing. We have local law enforcement. This is a total misadvocation of funds. Mm-hmm. So did the police officer actually... Um, indicate that he knew that the HS guy was there or knew what he was about? Or well, I'm going to find out in the next couple of days. I'm, I'm going to turn it over to the local press. Um, but Officer Taylor, you know, he, he knew. It, it looked like Officer Taylor and the DHS guy was working together. And by the way, you could see Officer Taylor right on his name tag. This DHS guy, no name. And real quick, uh, folks, just want to let you know that Susan had to call a night. So we yeah. uh, bid her good evening, and she would uh, like to let everyone know uh, that she was uh, <clears throat> looking forward to hear from us again and uh, hopefully being able to uh, come on to our next show, which will be on November the 18th. The seven taking just a, a one-week hiatus uh, uh, for some family, and so we will be uh, coming back on the 18th of November looking uh, to have the newly elect governor, uh, Matt Bevan of Kentucky on, uh, who we've had on the show before. So looking forward to having him back on. Uh, it's, it's not concrete yet, but 
definitely gives us some time uh, to get them together, and we're looking forward to having Matt back on the show. Um, and so I do see that we do have only about 17 minutes left of the live portion of the show. However, for those familiar with the show, uh, you know that we will be going what's called the extended period. So although it will not be live, it will still be a part of the archive. And so if you're out there listening and you want to be able to hear the extended period, or sometimes we lovingly call it Bard's Logic After Dark, uh, and you can kind of take a gander on uh, what we mean by that. Um, that's just a little, don't worry, it's just a little bit more of fun and perhaps some innuendos flying around every great once in a while uh, during Bard's Logic After Dark. But the important thing is, is that if you'd like to call, uh, listen to the extended period, uh, give us a call at 347-945-7428. Uh, because if you don't, then unfortunately your audio will, will be cut out in about 15 minutes. So give us a call at the number. And if you'd like to chime in, uh, just push the one on your number dial. Uh, we do have Naj on the line. Uh, so we'll be blending our uh, good friend in shortly. Uh, he's got some commenta- uh, comments to make on our discussion this evening. So it'll be uh, great to welcome him to our roundtable discussion uh, this evening. And so, again, folks, if you'd like to listen in, give us a call at 347 945 74 to wait. And of course, uh, whether you're a Twitter user or Facebook or just have email, send the link that you use to come to the show tonight and share the archive and the link with uh, folks so they can listen to the show and hopefully they want to participate as well and come on to uh, our show, Bard's Logic Political Talk, where this is your show, uh, the people show, and it's the grassroots we the people show. And so let's go ahead and since it is a quarter till uh the top of the next hour or our extended period, let's go ahead and um bring in Nosh and then we'll go ahead and bring it back to you, Kelly. And then I still we have plenty of audio uh that I'm pretty getting getting pretty uh, confident that we're not going to be finishing nearly uh all of what I've got, but perhaps we could still save that for another evening. Uh but that is kind of the organic nature of the show is uh, we don't always get one of those things complete, but we always have a great discussion. So let's go ahead and bring Naj in. Thank you very much, Naj, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? I'm doing well, man. How are you guys doing? Great. Except for this, this nagging cough, I wish I could get <clears throat> rid of it, but uh, be that as it may. <laughs> hey, man, you're paid go to ahead. play, man. you got to come to play, man. It's like the NFL, man. No, no, no days off. <laughs> Uh, well, that's true. I, except, I, like, except for families, I guess. <laughs> right. I, I I came in on uh, the gentleman's story uh, who, who was just speaking uh, before, and all of that brings to mind uh, for me is uh, we've lost this republic uh, through collusion of big business and big government, and we're going to have to do a lot of work to get it back. And the thing that sticks out about that story he was telling to me is uh, – when you allow state control power and uh, the, the state to use their apparatus, which is the police force, to terrorize you, they attack the weakest portion of society first, which is black people, and eventually they move on to other segments of society. So now you see white kids getting abused and white people being shot by the police. And there becomes a point to where all Americans are going to have to decide that we don't want the police force acting this way. We don't want this war on drugs. We don't want this uh, for-profit prison uh, population. We don't want any of this whole idea based around crime. 
instead of getting to real solutions, which would be making this a manufacturing country again, a country that actually makes things and not just a, a financial uh, capital of the world. We have to go back to that. And uh, we got a lot of work to do, and this work is not going to be done by being dishonest or picking a side or picking a team. The American people are going to have to at least look at their own self-interest and say, look, i got to make sure that citizen has his rights in order to retain mine. And until we get there, we're going to have this trouble that we have now. And in this new globalist world to where China and India, which are our two biggest competitors as far as, uh, you know, rising uh, nations, they don't have these same problems. And if we think we're going to beat all these other people with our hand tied behind our back with all of our internal issues, we're crazy. And Kelly, since uh, you're mentioned, go ahead. Well, yeah, we do have, and I appreciate uh, this, uh, Nosh, is that how you pronounce your name? Yeah. Yeah. Um, kind of a unique name, unique name, anyway. But, yeah, I appreciate that we are, uh, I, I appreciate the points you brought out, that we are going to have to keep fighting. We have got to stay the tide, even if the tide is going to overcome us. We have to stay it and continue to build our lives and do what we can. Um, I, it was suggested to me that I write my congressman, which I will do. And I'm, you know, I, I'm not a, what do I do here? You know, if if this, there's three options why this, the people were here today. One, they were here at the, for whatever reason, and the sheriff did not know about it. If he didn't know about it, that's fine. Number two, the sheriff knew about it and asked him to come. I'm okay with that. Yes and no. The third thing is he asked him to come, but he's trying to hide from the public. I can guarantee you, when I post this video, there are going to be locals furious, furious with the gentleman. And I hand him the note. I said, look, the locals will be very upset if you don't check in with Sheriff Lopey. <laughs> you know? I just, but his attitude, no, we don't need to do this. No, we're the feds. We're the, no. It's his training. I don't fault him personally. He might be a great guy. You know, he said he had kids. He wants to get back to them. Great. Veteran, you know, God bless you. You know, thanks for that sacrifice. But his training, whatever training, whoever trained him, that the federal is the end-all, be-all supreme. We've went into this uh, ad nauseum in our different shows with the states' rights and who formed the federal government. The states did. But his training is dangerous because if he really believes this, um, I, you know, it's dangerous. And maybe my yeah, is too much power, maybe too little that, accountability. I know the mayor's going to be furious when he yeah. finds out. Go ahead, Nosh. No, I was just trying to chime in and just say it's too much power with too little accountability. He, he's right. And, and we got these people who have the – their chest poked out and they think they're some kind of, you know, super secret agent who no matter what your supposed rights are, uh, that they trump that just based on their position. And, you know, that's just not how it goes. And all of this has to be checked. Right. Well, here's think of the implications. The implications are frightening, okay? The implications are frightening. What if I was um, a political opponent I could be a political criminal based 
I'm not even wrong. I haven't harmed anybody, but open my mouth. History is filled. I've been studying some old English law. You could you could speak you could be dead for speaking against the king. That was William Penn's trouble. But Bushel stood up against him as a juror and he got free, but he was facing the death sentence as so many others had done. So if you don't have the local protection of your sheriff or your local police department and you're a political opposition to and it may not necessarily be Obama, but some other schmuck in in, in trying to be Adolf Hitler, I mean, you could disappear from your small town and no one would ever know. You know, I mean, because you've got these federal police. That's the first thing the socialists do when they take over a country. The first thing they do is they they ground up the dissidents and they get rid of them. Boom. That's that's what um, in in Cuba, uh, Fidel Castro did. Revolution, and then people were getting rounded up left and right and taken out in the back alley and shot. Where's your trial? Forget it. Where's your whatever? Forget it. Boom. And the power that Fidel Castro had, even some of his younger people are like, wait, wait, wait. You promised this and that, and you'd be a decent person. You're killing people. Oh, hey, let's come out and talk in the back alley. Bam, he's dead. This is how they have done this. And the state and the Posse Comitatus Act is there for a reason to protect the citizens so they can peacefully demonstrate, peacefully bring forward uh, positive change. Um, yeah, so the DHS I, 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 would, I would make the argument that want. every revolution that every revolution has blood on its hands, and that's kind of a part of it. And honestly, if George Washington found some British loyalists in Virginia, uh, he didn't deal with them kindly either. Like that's kind of part and parcel of, of what a revolution is. The side oh, that no. loses, you're if you're still there, you're in trouble. Like that's. You know, yeah, I, that's kind of historic. You know what I mean? It's kind of historic uh, action, like everywhere across this globe. Yeah, it's. I, I'm personally Kelly? a little bit nervous that he might retaliate in some way that I, you know, right. so, gently, politely got in his face. Yeah. I mean, and he said this. He said, "I've never had anybody ask this." Well, well, checking on the sheriff. Yeah, he said he's never had anybody confront him like this. Mm. What were you going to say, Christine? I was going to say I just yeah, told go ahead, you Christine. that they, 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 look, this is a part of the movement. It started in 1968 when the Democrats said for the Mexicans, the Cubans, the Haitian Jamaicans, the South Americans, they put them in all the cities where the big money and the factories were. Now Donald Trump will tell you they're going after the white people now. This is all a part of the plan. I told y'all what happened. People don't want to, I think they don't want to listen to me because when you see me coming, I'm so darn beautiful. You don't want to talk about that. <laughs> and then you're not going to talk about something law and all this stuff. And then I'd be right. But they never want to hear it. But this was a plan. This was a part of the Democrats' plan. It, it, look, the, McCarthy used to call it the, the, the Democrats' 50-year plan to take over America. And they started by... They used the easiest way in the world. See, they knew they didn't have the military power. So you do the next best thing. You take a country over by overthrowing its laws and put them in a cave somewhere. Then you find some way to make the people like getting beat up. So they start blowing goofy dust. 
First, the black people, it was called Mexican mud and Mexican gold. Then they had the stuff you shoot in your arm. When they got through shooting that silly water in their arm, everybody in America was on drugs. And the Democrats were supporting it with welfare. And John Casey would tell you that I ain't lying because he was sitting right at the congressional hearing when I told him four words will stop this stuff. What four words? Uh, you stop welfare drug use. What do you mean? I said, you stop tens of millions of welfare women from using drugs and, and stealing from welfare full time to pay for it, and it lord, the Lord will go home. And that was when they figured out that the Democrats were doing it in the first place, and Clinton signed every blasted thing I wrote, and I got every one of my documents right here, right now. They actually called it the Christine Timmon Law. It was based on one strike and you're out. And the basis of it was the throw drug dealing out of public housing. That's what Cabrini Green was. All the houses that the Democrats vote, built for the black people staying, every one of them was a dope house. Y'all go back in the, in the archives of CNN and Fox News to the drug raid, Cabrini Green. Every apartment was loaded with welfare and drug people. And the poor little children was out there getting shot. And that's why I told the Republicans, you people, if you don't see these little black kids from getting shot like this and they wind up in the prison, then it's going to be some trouble. I told them, you don't come back to Lansing, Michigan without power to the state. That's what stopped it. You notice we haven't heard really from a real drug cartel since 1996, and they are no longer on Wall Street Journal or front page. You do hear of it, but now they're going after the white community. Trump says that it's New Hampshire and all of the, the Midwest states like, like Ohio, they didn't get the black people, the white. Now they're going after the white people, and they're on the street begging for another needle. And don't say why. I said because they're in despair. They ain't got no job. They're trying to find hope in a doggone needle, because y'all done gave all the jobs to the doggone people. See, what happened to us, this was their way of getting industry out of America and getting their people here by the means. It's as simple as that. How do you stop And real it? quick, uh, real quick, Christine, hold on, Christine, I got to do a programming note that we okay. only have about two minutes left of the live portion of the show. However, the show will go on into our extended period. But if you're out there and you'd like to listen to the extended period, give us a call at 347-945-7428. Because if you do not do it within the next two minutes, then unfortunately your audio will cut out and you won't be able to hear the rest of the show. Uh, however, the remainder of the show will be part of the archive uh, two days to later. So if you will not be able to stay for the extended period, uh, we uh, understand that, and we do appreciate you coming. But, of course, definitely uh, come back to, uh, to listen to the archive as well as share the uh, share the link with folks. Also, you can like us on Facebook by searching Bard's Logic Political Talk on Facebook, and you can like our page there. You can also uh, follow Bard's Logic Political Talk here on Blog Talk Radio by just pushing that little follow button. And, of course, uh, I'm sure everyone's got email. You can also email all your friends the link so that they can listen to our archives as well as say, you know what, I really like what I hear there. I really want to be a part of this. So call in and be a part of our roundtable discussion. Um, and it looks like uh, hopefully Christine calls us back in soon or else we're going to lose her. Uh, she looks like uh, her uh, call got dropped. And, yes, we do. We got her back. That's great. And so give us a call at 347 945 7428 
that you'd like to listen to the extended period. And uh, so I apologize for uh, interrupting you there, but I had to do it uh, to get that last programming out. So it's back to you. Yeah, I, I want well, well, okay. I, I, I'm going to be brief What's here. Well, All you got well, to well, do well, is stop What was that, Kelly? I want to put my hand up. Go ahead and let Christina finish. Christine and then tra- Kelly, they'll bring it back to Nosh, and we'll bring it back over to you, uh, Cindy. And then, gosh, if we get – hopefully we'll be able to get back to some of our, our audio and our clips. Uh, maybe we'll have to do another show on it. Who knows? But go ahead, Christine. All we got to do to stop this is educate ourselves. Anybody, everybody can get my phone number, and I will tell you how they did it, and I will send you copies of the, of the law, and they call it the Christine Timmer Law. You got to be able to stand before your people and say they did this to us on purpose. This is not a joke. It was their way of taking over America. I'm telling you, they keep telling you guys that NAFTA is what took the jobs away when that simply is not true. They blew goofy dust, dope over all of those states. You can go back and archive it. But see, people didn't look at it like that. They didn't look at when the 1965 Immigration Act, that caused the state police to not be able to stop none of them. You remember when they was coming by the thousands a week through Arizona and tearing up stuff? That was planned. The Democrats did that. The states couldn't say nothing. And that's how they got them here by the 25 or 30 million, telling about they're not real good citizens. Oh, please. Every bit of that can be stopped. It's just it's two major laws that stop the whole thing. Article 1, Section 6, start telling them you're going to put them behind in prison. Start talking about going back to the Constitution where they used to get arrested when they come back to the district. Let them know that when they write a law that caused all these problems, that's called breach of the peace in the Constitution. See, but y'all don't know that. Y'all don't know that's one of the things they get arrested for. They don't need you to know what Christine Timmer knows, and they pray to Goodness that we pray that don't nobody never listen to her. She's so beautiful. If they see her, they're going to swear she lying. <laughs> and this is really true. This happened to me a lot. But then once I start talking, the opposition start clearing the room because I hold up my Constitution book and they say, oh my God, she's telling the truth. Then I get the crowd all around me. I've knocked out Hillsdale College telling the truth about immigration and tell the truth about why our country got drugged. It was a it's not a act it was a plan. The people ain't got no military power to take us over. There's another way to take over. You make them be happy. It's called kicking your butt and making you like it. You get them all drunk. That's an old trick. And people just not figured it out. And I have kept up my drive on this ever since they pulled that trick. And I told the people years ago, I said, one of these days, I'm going to be the one to stop this. And nobody, oh, they say, oh, she's just a silly Negro woman. Ain't nobody going to listen to her. And they didn't listen for 30 years until New Gingrich. And that's when I got up in there and helped them to stop it from that time. Now, what we have from this time, Donald Trump, read, uh, read, uh, go get the book. Don Trump, and you can read about what he's saying about that. He knows what they're doing, but, well, I guess he must have been reading my stuff. So, Kelly, don't think that this is an accident. It's a part of the plan. How do you fight the plan? Kelly, you start standing up and telling people, I know what happened to us. They started this in 1968. America had never heard of no drugs. 
What you know about it? All they knew was a singer had a reefer. Or the, 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 what's that name? The Rat Pack had some hair on. That's all they knew. Did nobody know what? And when it first started, the minister, everybody was against it. And so this is just a simple issue, y'all. This ain't no rocket science. This is a simple issue. Uh, They knew the next best plan, kick your butt and make you like it, and take it over by you so drunk, and while you drunk, that's when they take all of your laws out and replace your laws for your kids. And they give your kids their laws. That's why the moderators don't know nothing. And I, there's okay, nothing else okay. I can say about it. Okay. Ain't nothing ahead, okay. Christine, give, yeah. I, Christine I, I, yeah, give them a chance to go ahead, uh, comment. Go ahead. Well, well, Christine, I totally love your passion for the Constitution. And I, I know you're on this. And I'm glad that so many people are waking up and, and people like you um, and pretty much Barge Logic Keem is telling their friends off the show, here, what's going on? And, and they get it, and people know, and they're looking for a leader, and they'll follow, and it's exciting. But I, I wanted to tell you about um, the reaction I had today from Nature's Kitchen. They're nice folk over there, a couple of them, they're frustrated with the government too, but the owners and several employees are all new age type, bleeding heart liberals, and one of them knew this officer's wife, for whatever reason, and so maybe he just felt comfortable eating lunch there. And they had this nice conversation. Oh, he seems like a nice guy, and something about his wife really wanted him to wear the uniform. He didn't have to. Wait a minute, what? He didn't have to wear the uniform? But anyway, so, you know, nor name tag on your uniform, but that's all right. You know, there's Bivens versus Six unknownness. Bivens versus Six unknown IRS agents can certainly take care of that down the road. Anyway, so, but they're like, oh, it's not a big deal. Oh, don't worry about it. Oh, you know, they're kind of like poo-pooing me. I'm like, dude, this is serious. They don't, they don't get it. But, you know, if you look at history, okay, I'm going to talk about constitutions of other countries, and I'm going to talk about tyranny. So Russia, you know, is ours. They didn't quite have a constitution, and they were easily taken over. The Stalin. Then you had the Weimar Republic. Yes, they had a constitution of some kind. And then, then one day in 1924, let's just get rid of trial by jury. Within 20 years, 20 million people were murdered. The Republic of China, we helped them set up a constitutional government after World War II, and they liked it, and then they had a constitution, but that failed. Now we have Mao, you know, then you had Mao, then you got blah, blah, blah. And then let's see Cuba. Cuba had a beautiful constitution, believe it or not. They had trial by jury, due process, all sorts of things emulating similar to what America was doing. We were great allies with them. A lot of Americans would go down and vacation before Castro took over. It was like almost like a sister country. I mean, they, they had a constitution, had, Cuba just had, Germany, China, Cuba had a constitution. Oh, we got a constitution that will protect us. Really? Really, really, really? Think this through, guys. I mean, Rome had it. Rome, Greece, they had a Senate. Oh, that didn't work too well. Tyrant Caesar would rise up. Come on. So, you know, you look at this, and, you know, I kind of got a little bit ridiculed. Oh, you're overreacting. Oh, you're just kidding. Really? It's a study history. Well, they won't do that. You know, it may not be Obama. It might be the next president. I don't know. But, Let's think about this, okay? In the history of the world, here's another. Here's where I'm going into tyranny, okay? Stalin, he got into office, and he was kind of a nice guy for a little while. He started murdering people. Same with Hitler, Mao, Pol Pot, Castro. Well, Stalin didn't do it until he could. 
and then he did. Hitler didn't do it until he could, and then he did. Mao didn't do it until he could, then he did. Castro didn't do it until he could, and then he did. Pol Pot didn't do it until he could, and then he did. And you had the slaughter, it's called democide, where the government kills people, which has been the number one killer, by the way, in all of humanity. So what is going to stop this in America? And let's go ahead and let's go ahead and bring that over to you, Nosh, and then we'll let's bring Cindy in, and then perhaps we can uh, get one of these more one of, more of these uh, audio clips uh, out. And so let's go ahead and bring it to you, Nosh, and you, Cindy, and then we'll uh, play something I've been wanting to uh, discuss. Go ahead, uh, Nosh. Yeah, uh, well, I don't speak to be liked. So I'll just throw that out there first. Uh, basically, <laughs> this, uh, th- th- there's no need for us to continue this whole thing of picking teams. Uh, the Democrats and the Republicans are just as corrupt, just as horrible. We just need good men and women uh, to serve mm-hmm. their country and do the right things. We do, we definitely do not need to keep going down this binary road and think that these two parties have our best interest at heart. They've shown us for decades that that is not true. Uh, as far as uh, NAFTA, yeah, NAFTA is a huge reason why we have uh, what we have as far as the influx of people coming up here. Uh, you're talking about a policy that changed the whole economy of a uh, country that's on our border. So, yes, that would push people up here. And these aren't accidental things. Like the industries that hire these people – uh, wanted them to come up here so they could drive down the wages of people who are up here. And now you've got a surplus of workers, and you can always dictate wages. These are corporate-sponsored uh, deals in their favor. Like these are, This is a simple thing to understand, but we don't like to understand it because we don't like to confront power. That's, that's one thing I've learned about Americans in the last 20 years. We've gotten a little soft and we like to win battles against groups that we can win against. But against group power, who's here dictating how our country is run and who's going to get what, when, and why, uh, we kind of back down, and we'll settle for whatever little meat they throw to us. Uh, As far as uh, the different countries he was naming, as far as uh, the genocide and some of the atrocities that went on, uh, these are global things as well. You can go to every country. Uh, you can find the bodies. You can find the documents that list the things that every country has done. There's not a country on this earth that holds up to religious inspection. All of these countries who like to call themselves a Christian nation or a Muslim nation or whatever they want to call themselves, none of them hold up to real religious inspection. When you say, okay, uh, do you really hold yourself to the Ten Commandments or, 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 or any other thing? You know what I mean? None of these countries hold up to it. So it's it's not a thing of pointing to things were bad here, therefore that means that. No, it's, it's we're dealing with this issue here, and how do we figure out our way out of it? And, and right now, the way we're going, they continue to have us chasing our tails because they point and misdirect us towards things that don't actually matter, and the people who do matter who are uh, funding the campaigns of the politicians and getting the laws bent in their favor and then hiring the politicians when they finally get out of office are determining what our country is. We used to be a manufacturing country. We changed into a financial country uh, years ago. You can you can go to the Clinton era for that. You can look at uh, 
uh, Ruben and some of those other people who got rid of Glass-Steagall and all of these other different uh, protections that we had from way back in the day to stop the, the robber baron era of America to where we had uh, wealthy people determining everything uh, in society. So we got to go back to one man, one woman, one vote, and the majority and uh, the democratic, I guess you could say, principles that are in our republic have to matter again because right now they don't. Well, he's right. And I hate to say it, but I think I think the uh, I think it was some of, during the Democrat debate that they're talking about uh, bringing back Glass Steagall. Uh, and I may try to find a, a clip on that. I don't know if anybody will do that tonight. But let's go ahead and bring it over to you, Sandy. And, and, and I want to make if a... they could be trusted to do it in a correct manner. <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah, well, understood. And uh, uh, understood. And then uh, I've got some comments that I want to bring something back to something you said, Naj. Um, but first, I want to get Cindy in before I do that. Go ahead, Cindy. Well, I wanted to get back to the subject of the debates um, for a moment. Um, I I was of course. I was I was you know uh, we've we've made the point over and over that um, the commentators were definitely um, they had their own agenda. And it was the opposite of any of the GOP candidates. Um, and none of them are going to be voting in a Republican uh, uh, primary. So what, what does it matter what they think? Somebody had made the suggestion. I can't remember who it was. Where did I read that? Um, that the – maybe it was Trump that said it. I don't know. Anyway, he said uh, that um, – um, these debates ought to be run by people who they actually um, affect Republicans. If it's a Republican primary campaign debate, then it ought to be run by Republicans. Um, and I would say that's okay um, as long as that also didn't turn into the Fox News show or the you know, that the Fox News commentators would take over the whole thing. I think that mm-hmm. if you could, if you could really include true conservatives, um, conservatives, you know, let the Tea Party type people be represented in those debates uh, as moderators, then that might that might be a good thing. Um, but basically, what I was really disappointed with, and and was and it was so brazenly obvious uh, what they were doing, they brought up again the subject that Trump had had a, a few bankruptcies um, with mm-hmm. the company that he had. Uh, now, if that, I mean, why do why should the voters believe? the promises that you're telling him is what he asked. Well, an, another non-question is what as what Trump got. Um, but it was for them to ask that question again when it was already asked in a previous debate just is so telling in in what their their um their agenda is. But basically what they what they did was try to get everybody on the stage to argue 
And if they couldn't make them argue amongst themselves, they were going to do the arguing. uh, Mm -hmm. The uh, commentators were going to do the arguing. And so they turned into debaters themselves. They were no longer commentaries. uh, Excuse me, they were no longer um, (laughs) moderators. They became arguers. Um, They became debaters. And and I think Mm -hmm. that is just... So below what that it, that just shows how low our media has sunk, and uh, and, and it's so our, our media is trash and they're quick, about viewers. But, right, right. It's well, and, and and real quick, and real quick, because you talked about debaters, um, and I want to bring Kelly into this, you know, briefly, uh, because you know Kelly's brought this up before. But Kelly, which did, did you see the debate or, or, or hear a lot of it? I've been missing a lot. I'm working on a gold mine thing. If you have 1.3 million, you can buy a gold mine that'll be very profitable. But I haven't had much. Time. Well, I'm just wondering because with well, 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 and I'm just asking because as per previous conversations uh, that we've had in previous shows, um, where you were talking about, you know, whether they were master debaters, um, <laughs> and so I was going to see what your opinion was. To see if I, I, the uh, moderators for the CNBC show on whether there were master debaters or not. <laughs> well, I would, I would, um, I study communication. Running books changed my life. I communicate so much better, and I've discovered, you know, well, what's effective communication, what's not. Rubio, I think of all of them, is probably the most eloquent, most affluent. Um, he's stunning. Um, Farini had polls on the heartstring. Um, they all made good points. Ted Cruz, he's not so eloquent, but I really like the guy. Um, but there's levels of uh, Reagan was an absolute stunning. He was named the great communicator. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I I would call these people in their eloquence. I would call um, in the way they answer questions. I would call these all master debaters. You know, I would uh, I would agree with you, except I think there was one person who was a better communicator than Reagan, but because he was such a um, uh, uh, a reformer, he was dis- he he was pushed away and and dis and distanced from everyone else uh, in the establishment. Uh, of course, you know Reagan also distanced was distanced. From the from the establishment, but that's Newt Gingrich. I think he was an awesome communicator. Oh, he is amazing. You see, he got me in prison. What you think, Chris? And actually, and actually, before you guys move on, actually, let, let we'll me be, add one thing on the debate, though. Oh, go ahead, host. If oh, I could just add one thing say, on the debate. <clears throat> Sure, and I'll, and I'll bring it back in a second. I'm just going to make the comment that uh, before the show is out, I do have a, an audio clip with Gingrich uh, making uh, you know a few comments on the debate. It's about a five minute clip, so I definitely want to get that uh, get that one out because you know everyone here knows I I am a uh, Newt Gingrich fan. 
And so I'd like to hit you know as, as, as know often that, as Robert. I can to get Gingrich <laughs> as often as I can to get Gingrich on uh, some of Gingrich shows on the show I'm going to so we'll we'll try to bring that and I also want to bring still play that one clip of just if those are the only two clips I play for the rest of the night it's the one I've been wanting to play for a while so I think it's a, it makes a, a a big point that I've been saying throughout this campaign even though it's still pretty early um, but hopefully maybe it, it will change at some point. Uh, but uh, before I bring that up, let's go ahead and uh, bring it over to you, Naj, and then and then I'll, I'll bring it back to, I guess, uh, myself. Uh, go ahead, yeah, yeah, right. Well, one thing you'll notice about the Republican and Democratic debates is we're watching political theater. Uh, these people have aides and speech writers and people who teach them how to pivot from any question and not answer anything substantially to something that will affect them down the road. So their whole thing is to deflect and turn the question around and get it back to their talking point. So because of that, we don't have real conversations within the debate. And then on the media side, they're all about viewership. So all they're trying to do is throw on a good show. They're looking for that, uh, you know, I knew Jack Kennedy and, you're, you know, you're no Jack Kennedy moment. That's all they're looking for. So, of course, mm-hmm. they're trying to start arguments. They're trying to start anything that can get them their YouTube clip that will have their station, uh, you know, go viral. Like, that's the issue there. So we have to be real about what we're watching when we watch these debates. we got politicians who don't want to answer anything into detail and specifics, and we have a media who is determined to get viewership, and they don't really care about the substance or uh, the actual policy of the person speaking. So that, that's what we're doing. There. It's like reality TV. Like, this is really bad. And for us to <laughs> accept this is kind of, you know what I mean, it's kind of hilarious at a certain point. But that's what we have. So Hillary Clinton has a million talking points that she knows how to pivot out of uh, tough questions. And Jed Bush, the same thing. Uh, the younger uh, or the newer politicians who aren't as polished, like Trump, uh, they're kind of shooting from the hip, and that's kind of scaring the hell out of the old guard. So the old business class, you know, old school Republicans, man, they want Trump out of there as fast as they can, and they're doing everything they can to get it, and they're looking for the one sound bite that can ruin his campaign. Mm-hmm. And I hate to scare all of y'all, but I think <laughs> Rubio will be the nominee and our next president. We will Ooh, not win. Seriously. Well, that is <laughs> – and that is kind of scary. I think Latinos I, I, I will be like the majority in America by 2050. Everybody's after that that vote, and I think Rubio gets it. And after that, the Republican side will always have the Latinos in their corner because you put their guy in office. So, I, like I said, by you 2050, they're the majority. The I think they're after. Can't even vote. What, you know, this is the big problem. Well, there's, a huge, there's a huge chunk of them the who can, though. The problem is everybody who was given citizenship after 1965 is not really a citizen. I done told y'all, the Muslims, the Haitians, Jamaicans, all of those people under the Constitution, they're not even in America. They're only in ma- one ma- state. Ma'am, I hear you. I hear you. But you think the parties are going to are gonna bow down on that one? They're going to fight you, to, yeah, to the will. Supreme it's Court the on that. Hold on, hold on. Let's not talk over each other now, folks. You know, okay. I hate that. <laughs> All right. But Let's go ahead and uh, since we only got – okay, folks, we, I, I, you know, I was de- and definitely we'll have to have, have another – and we're going to have plenty of opportunities to talk about uh, you know, the election things uh accompanying it and 
uh, to it. But uh, first, let's go ahead because I'm gonna I'm gonna play an audio clip here. Uh, this is something uh, from Carly Fiorina, and I'm not playing it because I'm a fan of hers. I'm actually not. But she definitely says something that um, resonates with me, it, and not so much about the uh, substance of what she's talked about. This is about uh, about the debt, but but what she talks about, you know, surrounding uh, the debt. And, and I'll explain more of that after we hear the clip. Becky, we're, we're going to try to move let on. Me just, let, let me just say on taxes, how long have we been talking about tax reform in Washington, D.C.? We have been talking about it for decades. We now have a 73,000-page tax code. There have been more than 4,000 changes to the tax plan since 2001 alone. There are loads of great ideas, great conservative ideas from wonderful think tanks about how to reform the tax code. The problem is we never get it done. We have talked about tax reform in every single election for decades. It never happens. And politicians always say it's so complicated. Nobody but a politician can figure it out. The truth is this. The big problem, we need a leader in Washington who understands how to get something done. You want to bring not to talk about it, not pages. to propose it, to get it done. You want to bring done. the 70,000 pages to three? That's right, three pages. Is that you using really three? small type? No. You know why three? Because only if it's about three pages are you leveling the playing field between the big, the powerful, the wealthy, and the well-connected who can hire the armies of lawyers and accountants and, yes, lobbyists to help them navigate their way through 73,000 pages? Three pages is about the maximum that a single business owner or a farmer or just a couple can understand without hiring somebody. Almost 60% of American people now need to hire an expert to understand their taxes. So, yes, you're going to hear a lot of talk about tax reform. The issue is who's going to get it done. We will come around the bend. How can you say it? Because you don't know the truth. Now, you understand why I hate people talking over each other? Because <clears throat> they do that on all these talking head shows, and I can't stand it, even on these space. But anyway, my point is that she makes – the point I really want to point out, folks, is this. Uh, I, you know, I've been watching politics since I was 10 years old. Okay, I've been doing the show, for, you know, since 2012. I've been, you know, part of campaigns and things of like that well before that. And one thing that rings true is what she says. And not just with tax reform. We've been talking about the same damn uh, you know, issues for, you know, how many election cycles? How many years? I'm kind of getting tired of talking about the same issues, uh, you know, every election cycle. I want some fresh ideas. I want things to be taken care of. And I want to touch on one thing. And I gosh, I wish we had more time to talk about this, but I want to know I was just looking at my notes. <laughs> Is that you mentioned something, Naj, about authority and how we're afraid to stand up to authority. And and we can talk about either what we just heard here or, you know, what I'm talking about now, because I did want to bring this up tonight. There's something that happened to me, not me per se, but something that happened, um, and I want to address it because it really ticked me off, okay? And, and this is talking about the authority and I think this starts off in grade school about us not being wanting want to come up to authority. And I think it's around teachers. And something that really bothered me is, is the, the, the folks here who listen to the show and, you know, they've listened to it many times. They've, I'm sure they've already heard about, you know, how I send my, my daughter to a private school. And there's reasons for that. Okay. And one of the reasons is, this, is to not expect something that happened to me last night. As last night I had a teacher 
who went and told his students that he wanted them, now it's for a Spanish class, okay? And it's not necessarily have to do because it's a Spanish class, but what the teacher did is he told all the students to take the pictures of rooms inside their homes and bring them to school. Hmm. To me, I'm thinking, you know, that's a gross, uh, for me, that's a uh, gross uh, of privacy. You know, that's uh, infringement of all my privacy. I mean, why should, you know, these kids be taking pictures of the inside of their homes and bringing them to school? And then also, a couple of weeks prior to that, is they had brought this, they were taking an abstinence class. Which, okay, I get that. I understand that. I appreciate that. However, they were having them write on on one column what their personal and my daughter's thirteen, what their personal dating limitations are, and what the parents' limitations are with dating. And, and one of the questions were when it comes to physical contact. And I'm thinking, why is it this school's business to know what my dating parameters are? For my child, what? And they collected these papers that they 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 wrote these answers on. Okay, what business does the school have to have you know what my dating parameters are for my daughter? She's 13, so right now she doesn't have dating parameters. Okay. Also, and and what tells this teacher to say it's okay to tell kids, hey, take pictures of rooms in your house, including bedrooms and bathrooms and stuff like that. And bring this to school, and so you could describe the room. I guess describe in Spanish. I don't care what the uh, what the uh, the project is for, but I think that's um, as I said, in the, a gross invasion of, of privacy. I mean, what do you guys think about that? Let's let's go ahead and start with you, Cindy. Yeah, that, that's ridiculous. Sorry, man. Had... That, oh, my bad. Go ahead. Oh. That's okay. Go ahead, Sandy, and then we'll bring it to you, Naja, and then um, – oh, no, we just lost her. Unbelievable. Um, that's why, you know, I'm going to tell her to stop your mic and just keep your mic on, and I don't care if we hear background noise because when the people mute, mute their mics during the extended period and they accidentally hang themselves up, then they can't get back to the show. So I'm definitely going to have a discussion with folks on that. So if you're – yeah, if you're, if you're not uh, – Want to mute your mic? Let me know, and I will mute your mic, and then I'll unmute it when I bring it back in. And so I will have a discussion with Cindy. I really want to hear what she says, but we'll get on the next show. But since you chimed in, Naj, what, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, man. Look, in this new social media world, if you want to get rid of all privacy, uh, you have that ability. But you can't assume that I want that. Like, that's a choice that I, I have to make. You can't decide that. Are uh, you going to send my child uh, in to take pictures of my home? No, I, maybe I don't want that. And then when you start going to that uh, that sex ed class, as far as them writing things like that down, what if one of the boys gets a hold of those papers and looks at what some of the girls wrote down? Like that's that's just a bad idea, and 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 it could only end up in a horrible spot for girls. And some of the women who are on this phone, I know they know about what happened to some young women in high school who had a certain reputation and how that can affect someone's life. So, yeah, that, that's an irresponsible thing. And, and like you said, that's a that's an invasion of privacy, man. I, I can't believe that, that somebody would condescend to think that they can make those decisions for you. Uh, exactly. If it's bad enough, if they, they asked you, 
You know what I mean? I don't think they'd be man enough or woman enough to ask you those things because they know that that would be inappropriate. But yeah, that's that's crazy, man. What do you what do you say, Kelly? And then over to you, uh, Christine. Well, um, pictures of people's homes. Having the kids turn this in. What's that going to do? End up in the department on other people to hold on, do like, our hold on, Christine. Like Kelly, hold on, Christine. Oh. Like Kelly, like Kelly answer. Okay. Yeah, and then Christine let Kelly got, answer. Got then it. go ahead. And then Christine, go ahead, Kelly. Okay. Okay. Maybe she got confused about the order of me than her. Okay. So, um, before I go into these pictures, I'm curious about this. Oh, go home and take some pictures if you're home. Really? Turn them in, and then where does it end up? If there are progressives, okay, which there are a lot of them, if there are progressives, it's going to end up end up in the hands of the Department of Homeland Security. What in the heck is this teacher? Thinking, this infuriates me. Um, oh, by the way, there oh, are yeah, I was pretty ticked off. And, 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 and you know what, my daughter was, and I hate to interrupt people, and you know that, but I want to, I want to get this part out too. And, she, and, and this is where the authority thing comes in. What Naj was talking about is that you know what, my daughter, when I told her, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do this. And, and you know what, my daughter's response was, I have to. The teacher told me this is what I have to do for my project. Oh my gosh. That's what I said. It starts at the grade schools. But I'm tired. I'm, I, I'm hearing this, and this is the same thing about, you know, because I, so I, I, I took issue with, um, you know, with, 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 with the thing where, where you had to write down what your dating parameters. Well, this is the project. This is what they tell us we have to do. Dad, I don't want to get a bad grade. I'm afraid I'm going to get a bad grade oh if I don't turn gosh. this in, or I'm going to get in trouble, or I'm going to be embarrassed. Because all the other students are doing this, and I don't. They put this pressure on these kids to do this stuff, and it's like, and they're, they're kids. They can't understand what the true meaning of doing this is. Go ahead, Kelly. Oh, my gosh. Well, when, when one considers that a lot of progressives have become teachers and professors in college who have gotten into <laughs> the position of school board to do this kind of crap, this is how the progressives have worked. They get in the school boards. They get in the planning commissions. They get in this and that and other stuff. Ugh, I'm furious because don't the, and this well, is, why and, don't we just folks, go to the school board and 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 this is a, say, this is a private Catholic school, folks. Go ahead. Gosh. Uh, Robert, I would tell you, go to the next school board meeting and say, school board, I'm going to come into your house and take pictures of your home. No, uh-huh, you can't do that. Well, if that's what your teachers are telling my kids to do and turn it in, or they're not going to get a good grade. So unless you open the doors to your house, I will not be completing this assignment, okay? I'm sorry. We have a Fourth Amendment, and you, you, you can't be doing this kind of crap unless you want to let me come into your home and take the photos. Well, I, 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 I'm, I'm sorry. This is what you're asking the people to do. Then they'll get it. I did this to the board of supervisors, by the way, and they started to get it. Anyway, um, you know, I got to tell you, you know, I'm an engineer. I do stuff for clients, and one of them is flood certificates. What's that mean? How high is how high is the flood water on your house so you can get flood insurance? Okay, fine. Been doing this for years. I've done I don't know how many dozens of these. Well, 
FEMA was taken over by the Department of Homeland Security. Hmm. What does that mean? That means that they wanted more than just my report and my PE stamp, which if I lie, I lose my engineer's license. Serious as a heart attack here. But no, they now require pictures front and back. So I always tell clients, to let you know, um, to get your flood certificate, you have to, um, well, i got to take pictures. And I hope you're okay with that because I, I've got to tell you this. What? Yes. Your home, the outside, not the inside, and front and back, you're going to be in a national database with the Department of Homeland Security. And they're okay with it because they have to have insurance. Why do they have to have insurance? Because the bank requires it. Because they have a mortgage. This is bizarre. So where is our price? Oh, yes, we still have the Fourth Amendment. Yes, we'll get you on all these things. You have to play their games. Now, on the sexuality thing, this is frightening. Oh, my gosh. What are your standards for dating? When is it okay to touch? When is it not to touch? When is it okay to kiss? And pretty soon, this opens the door for a teacher because what, what, what's going on here? Kids submit their paper, and they're thinking about this topic. Okay. Well, who do they look for for guidance? Their teacher. Okay. So what happens? The teacher can influence the kids, all right, for good or for bad. Whatever the teacher's moral base is, all right, whatever the teacher's moral base is, the kids are going to learn because they've had this paper they had to talk about, they had to write about their values on dating. What if what if what if the teacher says, you know what? If you want a good man, you gotta put out the first date. How many fathers are gonna be screaming in fury about that crap? Whose values are going to be interjected into the classroom and young girls' minds? Is it the parents or is it the teachers? And what teachers' values are going to – this is frightening. And I would be screaming at the school board if I was you, Robert. <laughs> Go ahead, Christine. Yeah, well, I'm going to tell you, everybody, one more time. Be your own communicator. No one can communicate to you better than you can. If what they say ain't in Article 1, Section 8, Clause 1, turn it, blast the TV off because they're lying. You've got to stop putting garbage in your head. If you don't learn how to do this, no one is better than than Susan. No one is better than Cindy or Kelly. When Cindy or Kelly learn to be their own, if everybody in this one country right now, Nodge and everybody knew what's in the Constitution, we would all be the greatest communicators and couldn't nobody pull no stuff. Every one of these Latinos, all these people that they're telling you are part of this country, you will know that they are not. And they will know it, and they will follow your laws. But if nobody 
actually know how to communicate because they don't know what communication is. Y'all kept talking about uh, uh, fresh ideas. The freshest ideas are the one you never hear. They're all in the Constitution. They don't want you to hear that. Then you're saved. Everybody's saved by being their own communicator. Now, this is what Newt Gingrich had me to go to Thomas M. Cooley Law School for nine years. I've been in U.S. District Court about 20 times. Ain't got law degree to first. I lock them up. I lock up federal judges, and I knock people out the box. Barack Obama owed me $25 million. The city of Lansing owed me $45 million. It's sitting there right now in, in constitutional immunities. That means if they never pay it off, it's going to always be owed to me. If they send me $10, I accept it's over. That means any attorney can come and buy this. And what do it come from? It comes from my own communication. I walk up in the U.S. District Court. The the, the opposition have 2,000 pages of darn lies, and I put three pages. I go and say, Section 8 and Article 1, Section 9, and such and such. And you know what the judge tells the opposition? You just lost. Because I'm a communicator, because I don't lie to you. When I speak to you, I'll have you to pull up what I say. When you get to that point in life where you are your only communicator, and if they don't say what's in your book, you don't listen that's when everybody wins. When everybody get back to that page, like he's talking about what they're teaching these kids today, that's on purpose. You think they're going to teach these kids the, 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 what we have to learn, the Constitution? We all knew that. We were all communicators in elementary school. When the teacher called on you and asked you, what is Article 1, Section 8, Clause 11? Oh, ma'am, that is the clause where Congress writes all of the laws, and they write letters of marquee and reprisal if the president or someone on land and sea want to do something because Congress also sets the rule for capture on land and water. We were communicated. We wasn't but uh, what? Fourth, fifth, and sixth grade. That's real communication. It's when everybody says the same right thing. Anything else is a blasted lie, and y'all need to quit listening. You waiting on those people to save you. They just trying to save themselves like Nod said, this stuff about Marco Rubio. Well, if you know the law, you know Marco can't do that. If you know the law, you know that they can't even vote in 2016. And you know who else know it? All of Congress. I've been there. They know that none of these people who've been citizens of assets, they know that they're supposed, to, they're supposed to be invalidating about 40 million citizenships right now. If Newt Gingrich was there, let okay. me tell you what would be happening. Right, One more thing. If Newt was there, okay. every one of the profiteer immigration and citizenship, they sell citizenship for $299 now. That is the they supposed to be arrested. That's a congressional duty under Article 1, Section 8, Clause 4. So everything y'all have heard, everything as y'all said is a lie, and you have the right to open that Constitution book and read and say you are lying. In the end of that story, you don't know how to communicate. Ain't nothing you say you can back it up. That's what a real communicator does. And that's a good segue, I think, into uh, the last and final clips for a uh, play the music clips for the night. And let's go ahead and hear, uh, speaking of Gingrich, uh, his opinion on the CNBC debate and some of the candidates. Flying everywhere. So what does the former speaker think? And before I ask your winners and losers, I want you to react to that soundbite because that was one of the top three moments in my estimation of the evening. 
Well, I, I think it was surprising that Jeb would do that. Uh, Jeb is not a great fighter. It's not his, he's got lots of strengths, but being in that kind of a back-and-forth brawl isn't his strength. <clears throat> Rubio's very smart, and he's very fast. And, you know, you don't want to pick a fight with a guy like that <laughs> unless you're prepared to, to stay in the ring with him. And other than Trump, I'm not sure there's anybody else who could stay in the ring with Rubio. Well, what was weird to me is that he echoed the point that Rubio was debunking, and Jeb sounded like he was part of the liberal media that Rubio, Rubio just dropped the mic on. The, the, you know, one of the points that Britt, you made last night was that to bring that up after Rubio had destroyed the paper in Florida as a liberal paper, and they come right back to the same topic. I, I don't understand what Jeb was trying to accomplish there. And I'm, I'm sure that his staff had some clever strategy, but you can't go into a debate with a previous game plan and implement it. The debates are like jazz. You've got to go in and you've got to follow the rhythm and you've got to follow the mood. And then if it feels right, do it. But if it doesn't feel right, even if your advisors are all excited, don't do it. Well, you are the master of that. I mean, we watched you in the last presidential election. You are, you're, you're being humble with that face, but you are. Who do you think performed the best? I mean, they're saying Rubio. I would agree Rubio and Cruz, but what do you think? Well, I th as, as Frank Lentz reported last night, uh, that one section with Cruz, Lentz said he has never seen a score that high. He said that 26 of the 28 people on dials had to have given Cruz 100 out of 100 for it to be that high. And he had never in his entire career seen that. So in a sense, you have to say that Cruz had an amazing night. Mm -hmm. uh, Rubio's great strength, which comes up every single debate, is he's very likable. Mm -hmm. and, and in television, as Ronald Reagan understood, and Walter Mondale and Jimmy Carter didn't, uh, being likable is about 80% of the business. Mm -hmm. I mean, they'll listen to your words after they decide they like you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I think Rubio has enormous latent advantages and I think the odds are reasonably high he's going to be on the ticket. Who would you want to have a beer with, Sandra? Or I suppose eat a pot brownie with, as Ted Cruz said. Well, it sounds like I have to have a beer with all of them because I still didn't really get what their plans were to grow the economy. So I think the talking winners and losers of this debate last night, the loser was the American voter who was promised a debate on the economy, your money, jobs. And the candidates were never really given a chance to go there. Fox Business, I will be moderating the next GOP debate, and I will actually ask the candidates those important questions. We didn't really hear from them on that last night. That being said, social, social networking, Harris, you're big on there. You cannot underestimate the power of those tools, Twitter, Facebook. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the analysis after last night's debate showed that Donald Trump, as he has been in previous debates, was not the number one most talked about candidate on social networking. It was actually Dr. Carson, number one. Marco Rubio was the second most talked about, then Trump. I thought that was a really interesting change from recent debates that we have seen, that Dr. Carson was leading the conversation online. Yeah, you know what I wonder from you? Mr. Speaker, is this. We get all geared up. We can't, we can't wait to watch these things. There are events like Super Bowls now, politically speaking. Um, but are they all that important? Because we saw Carly Fiorina break out, bust out the first two debates and then fade away um, in the polling. So these big moments for Ted Cruz, Marco Rubio, what do they really mean? Well, I mean, first of all, <clears throat> If you get your big moment, then you have to build on your big moment. And I think one of Carly's challenges is that uh, as smart as she is, she hasn't figured out the thematic that would mm -hmm. keep her growing.
And if you don't keep growing, then you slide. Mm-hmm. But by the way, on, on, on Trump, I actually think he did something very smart. Hmm. Trump for the last week or so has been way too brittle. I mean, if you watched him, you know, talking about Seventh-day Adventist and all this stuff, whining in Iowa, hmm. why don't you love me anymore? <laughs> I mean, it was pretty embarrassing. And I like Donald a lot. I think he's very smart. I actually think the best thing he could do is what he did last night, which is calm down. Interesting. Let people get used to him being in the room without him being dominant. Mm-hmm. He didn't suffer any hits. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the evening, he was doing just fine. So for him. Something else, you didn't he put the nail in the coffin for Kasich? Well, he certainly gave Kasich a hard problem. I think Kasich had a tough night because Trump went after him. And that's Trump's style. Yeah. And if you watch, but but he only took that one really hard shot. Yeah. He didn't try to dominate the whole evening. No, he didn't. He was very calm. He uh, maybe he did some of Hillary's yoga poses. By the way, what maybe it was strategic. What will be fun at some point is if Trump goes after Rubio. And then Rubio goes after Trump because they're pretty evenly matched in speed. You hear that, Sandra Smith? Like that. Yeah. At the end debate, <laughs> get some notes. <laughs> All right. Okay, so, so I do see that we only have about, uh, gosh, not even 10 minutes uh, that's uh, left for me before I have to have uh, to shut things down. So we may be having about uh, seven. And so with that, uh, let's go ahead and give each person about uh, a minute, uh, maybe a minute and a half tops, uh, for some closing statements. <laughs> Starting, uh, we'll give the female deference first, of course, and we'll give that to you, Christine, and then we'll bring it over to you, Kelly, and then Naj, and then I'll have to uh, close things out for this evening. Uh, so we, and unfortunately, we definitely have to keep it to about a minute, minute and a half tops. Go ahead, uh, Christine. In my own mind. Everybody on this show is just as smarter than anybody who was on that stage last night, except for maybe Donald Trump, because Newt Gingrich hit it right on the head. I kind of indicated to him that he needs to just hold his card close to his vest because he's still got a lot to learn. And I tell you guys, when you get up in the morning, go and look in the mirror and say, I'm going to be my communicator today. I ain't going to let some idiot tell me some story. I'm going to look at the Constitution first. If I don't know, I'm going to call Christine Timmons. None of the people that they fooling y'all. Them people can't vote no way. The Republicans know it. Marco Rubio can't run and neither can Ted Cruz. He's not, but he's not natural born. But y'all don't know it because you don't know how to communicate. You open that Constitution and you sit up. Y'all can start running for president yourself when you start being your own communicators. I, as long as I be on this show, I never want nobody to ever say again that somebody is a better communicator than you are because no one is. Christine Timmons said so under the direction of Newt Gingrich. You, all of you, are the best communicator you're going to ever have They're right there in that mirror because when you let somebody communicate their mess in your mind, that's what's wrong with the children. Like Kelly was saying, they're trying to get them to talk about what your future plan. Hell, I ain't for five years. I don't know. So you've got to tell them the plans. Like we were told in elementary school, fourth grade, they gave us a plan that we could look up and live by. They don't have not one thing for these children to look up and see if their plan making any sense. 
So that's what we, the people, is like Kelly said the last time, we got to go back to we, the people, we, the communicators here. And anybody feel free to call me at any time. When you learn all this little bitty stuff, it's about ten closets. When you learn just them ten, you let somebody tell you, oh, you would never listen to it. And then that's going to make you want to say, well, what else? Wait, wait a minute. That's what we got to start doing as one people. And finally, Naj is correct about the Republicans and the Democrats. Article 4, Section 4, Clause 1 says the United States shall guarantee to each state a Republican form of government. That's Article 6, Clause 2, the Supremacy Clause. It says all laws of the United States got to be in the Constitution. That's a Republican form of government. So when you are elected to Congress, I don't care if you're Libertarian, Green Party, Democrat, you've got to run a Republican form of government. So check, believe it or not, the Constitution does not recognize a party in Congress. There is no party. See, y'all just don't know these things because they took it from you. So you can't be your own communicator. I ask you people, okay, please, 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 please be your okay, own Okay, go ahead and give it the, the thank you. Uh, thank you, Christine. We look forward to having you. And remember, uh, We'll be with us uh, on the show next week, but we'll be here the 18th. Go ahead, Kelly. Passion turns into action. Action turns into reform. Reform brings better life for everybody. I really appreciate, uh, you know, Niosh, Cindy, um, Christine's passion. Obviously, Robert, you have a silent passion in the sense of uh, your actions are continually um, – put forth to put the show together, and it's, it takes a lot of work, actually, for those uh, not aware of behind the scenes. So, you know, we keep going. We are going to make a difference. We are going to see some good changes. Um, how do we, and go back to communication again, Christine, how do we help our friends, our neighbors, um, fathers, mothers, how do we help people be 